So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Welcome back for episode 12 of Drink in the Movies. We are doing first impressions today of a Willem Dafoe film that I believe is called At Eternity's Gate. A Vincent Van Gogh biopic. How about that? Which I did not know. All I knew oh. was it's called At Eternity's Gate. Spoiler alert. I've been ruined. Ruined. <laughs> That's your first impression. Um, you and then uh, Juliette Binoche and Robert Pattinson are in a film from, I believe, Claire Denis. That's right. Uh, High Life. Life. Yeah. Uh, astronaut film. Which ties in nicely with our fair this week of First Man, The Right Stuff. Bad Times at the El Royale. So it's not Battle Royale. Correct. But we'll talk about that one on another podcast. As well as The Cabin in the Woods. We have two films from Drew Goddard. We are doing a Amazon <laughs> Prime's um, series that is out in its entirety from Alan Yang, co-creator of Master of None and director of many episodes, starring Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen. Fun stuff. Take a sip of our beer. Yeah, let's Hellbent do... Uh, Brewing Company's German Hefeweizen. Yeah, let's do first impressions. Cheers. How is it, Jen? Tell us. It's beautiful. What's it in your lips? It's so good. What kind of beer? That's good. It's sweet. I believe it you is. said it's a little bit zesty, perhaps a little bit of lemon. It is. I'm, I'm tasting the lemon of note right now. We're, we're coming off of some steak grinders that we just had, and um, it kind of cleansed my palate to taste these savory notes a little bit better. It all goes together quite nicely. Just a hint of sourness, but... Not overwhelming. Yeah, and quite a, nice. In all honesty, with the listeners, this is in fact our third beer. Of Correct. This beer, because we were catching up on recording the previous episode, uh, not but a couple hours ago. That is dedication. And we did need to get lubricated before we continued to speak. Can't hurt. So, what do you want to watch first, Michael? Let's do highlight. It's just a new religion for you. Fuck your baby mission. We had to begin the deceleration maneuver so the ship could approach a black hole. This is the main goal of our mission. To check if we could capture a black hole's rotating energy. We just watched High Life, Michael. Yes, we did. And it looks delightful. It looks awesome. I didn't know what I was getting into. Did you? No, me neither. I haven't really seen like any stills from this, really any marketing or advertising. So this is, you know, the first exposure I've had to it. Um, I think it looks terrific. Some of the um, space kind of folds mm. reminded me of the uh, kind of shapes and, and um, shades that we see in the right stuff when Sam mm. Shepard is kind of fighting against his body to continue mm. flying at mock speeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some really lovely color. Um, 
Yeah, I'll confess I've only seen one Claire Denis movie, and I didn't particularly like it. I've perhaps um, seen no Claire Denis oh, yeah? movies. I don't yeah. know what her films are. I should actually take a look right now, shouldn't I? Yeah, the one I saw was the, you know, one she put out last year, Let the Sunshine In, also with Juliette Pinoche. It's a romantic comedy of sorts. I wanted to see that, mm. but you reviewed it so terribly that I think mm. that I was like, I won't make the effort yet. Yeah, it had sort of a <clears throat> uh, vignette-like structure that I, 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 I didn't quite connect with. Um, this looks much more up my alley. Um, much more approachable. Yeah. Super clear atmosphere. She's already making moody. Wow. She's staying busy, apparently. Got one lined up for 2019 with confirmed release, looks like. Yeah, I can't say that I've ever seen any of her films, but she has another film coming out called Rotterdam, I Love You. Oh, I haven't even heard of that one. Which, it does appear she's maybe one of many directors. I, I see at least eight here, maybe ten. Yeah. So, more of a vignette, maybe again, mm. which is her style. Um, Kind of reminds me of what, a really bad movie called Life, like, mm. but if it was good. Dick Gyllenhaal one, right? Uh, you could say that, but he was. It's it. more. It's more of a Ryan Reynolds film, if I remember correctly. Uh, I did it. stop watching it. And it's one of the only films that came out this year that I actually like. Just turned off. Ooh, that's tough. You don't do many walkouts or or just. No, I think I even logged it on Letterboxd because I was just wow. like never gonna go back and watch it again. You just felt compelled to warn people. You're like, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like give it a half. I think I gave it like. Maybe two. It's just like, mm. you know, you've seen enough sci-fi. You know what's you know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's one of those. Whereas, like, no. at least with Cloverfield Paradox, it was fun to watch yeah. the paradox. At least yeah. Chris O'Dowd is fun to have armless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with High Life, I am on the Robert Pattinson train since Good Time. I loved him in Good Time. You love um, Good Time. I really love Good Time. I think that is a very special film. Um, I would. Mm tend to disagree but mm. not vehemently just like That's I, right. I just didn't you know you can have your good time i'll go have my Thank mother you, you we'll have a bad time <laughs> <laughs> at the other way <laughs> so yeah you know in terms of uh uh what he's going to be given here it's a little unclear but i'm excited to see what he's got it looks good yeah. um andre benjamin who we know more colloquially as andre 3000 of the uh super group outcast is also a supporting actor in here with Mia Goth, who looks equally fantastic as she mm -hmm. always does. Um, and then Julia Binoche looks ageless and wonderful as always. Radiant. I am very excited. Mm -hmm. I think that based on the context of how they were talking, the title High Life is perhaps meaning um, how to continue living in extreme conditions mm. because mm. by the account of the trailer these are low lives that are being recycled mm. um perhaps being attempted to be turned into people of value so that that mm. is an interesting idea that i'm very mm. happy is in film in the sci-fi context something perhaps about class that's kind of what you're thinking yes. that's interesting yeah. and I, yeah. I do like french conversations about class yeah yeah i could see that um i think it looks pretty sweet i'm pumped Looks nice. Mm -hmm. Shall we segue into what could be Willem Dafoe's first Oscar uh, win for Best Actor? That's what I hear at Eternity's Gate. Let's do it. Cheers. Do you 
believe that God gave you the gift of Pele to keep you in misery. I never thought about it that way. Maybe God made me a painter for people who aren't born yet. Tell me, brother, am I a good painter? You're not a good painter, Vincent. You're a great painter. I wanted so much to share what I see. Now I just think about my relationship to eternity. From the director of The Diving Bell and The Butterfly. Yes. Have you seen the movie? I have not, and I mm. feel like I must before oh. I watch this film. Great movie. I want to say it was like 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. something like that. 2007. It's been on my watch list probably since 2010. Oh, yeah. So Great movie. It's been I, I, a while since I've tried mm. to make the effort and just have not. I loved that movie. Um, so I am cautiously optimistic about this one um in light of my love for that film um and in light of the fact that the cautiousness stems from this on one hand being both a biopic and one that is um uh representing the artistic process those two things in in and of themselves i think are particularly difficult and not things i usually warm to in movies so together i think this is a a a challenge but I am interested. So. I, I don't. So you say that you saw this as representing the artistic process. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think as a movie about um, Vincent Van Gogh and and him perhaps um, creating his art and what goes into creating that art. I I I have found in my own movie going that I I have um, found very few movies that are able to really um, help me feel what goes into the artistic process. So if that move, if this is what that movie tries to do, um, I think it is uh, a tough thing to do. The way I was viewing it was more as the cost of the artistic process. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that Willem Dafoe is uniquely qualified for this role, mm. and his um, complete unattachment to the way that people view him. Mm. I think just in real life. He's, he's yeah. already perfect. And then I think that the role that he had, I believe, four or five years ago uh, in Pasolini was oh, yeah. a great mm-hmm. warm-up for this tragedy character who is a great artist. Mm. Um, and, and to me, this looks more like a tragedy. You, like, the story of Picasso is so large that it's not even... Bingo. Or, sorry, Bingo. Yeah. The, the, no. the story is so large that the cutting of the year, like, you hear about this yeah. since grade school, you know, it's do you do you interpret it as a biopic or kind of like um like i know it is a biopic you know but but is it more of like a historical film almost the way that you might say that mm. lincoln is also a historical film even though it's a biopic i i almost wonder if this is going to straddle that line of you know maybe it, it'll feel familiar but i think it might be an original film made of these conglomerations yeah if diving bell and the butterfly is any indication i do think he will use the medium in interesting ways ideally i do think that the trailer to me feels so familiar that i think that's where perhaps some of this cautiousness comes from mm. some of you know how that music is used it's it's the music is, is very much telegraphing the emotion for me gotcha gotcha which i is not something i associate with his previous film so i don't know that i would expect him to do that in the movie proper um but maybe know, considering this is the or... only other evidence we have to go off of yeah um I could tell you I was getting lost in the creases of Defoe's face and the way that he mm. was shooting Mads Mikkelsen in those brief moments. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm a sucker for Mads. I like Mads Mikkelsen. Just he he's one of my favorite performers, and I can't believe he doesn't get more work. Yeah. Did you ever see uh, the Hunt? Yogtum. Yeah. Great movie. I like him in that it's quite a, a it's bit. A, that's a very good movie. He was mm-hmm. also in um film that for some reason is eluding me as it always does because it's one of my favorites uh it's a nicholas vending reffin film where he mm. uh, basically goes the entire time without speaking he plays a one-eyed oh. viking it's a very very good film i don't know that one i think it's from early, 2011 early reffin or ish okay that's not that no early reffin, yeah. uh is what pusher yeah 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 no this is i think cool. a decade after pusher probably yeah 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 but yeah i agree if nothing else best actor contender for sure. Yes. Uh, and Oscar looked okay. Ah, the optimistic. It looked okay. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if maybe being surrounded by an auteur mm. who was maybe communicating as an artist with him and, and surrounded by these other top-tier talent, if maybe they got him back in the zone. You yeah. Know? Sometimes it just it takes the right people. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. In all veins of life and work. Yeah. The right people make a difference. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for this one, just as I am for High Life. I think both of them are uniquely art house mm. genre picks. Yeah. Whether it's a biopic genre or a sci-fi genre, I think they are uniquely of the art house quantity, which yeah. is why I, I paired them together to the, yeah. when I yeah. texted you <laughs> saying, I think we should do these. <laughs> yeah, and at Eternity's, at Eternity's Gate is, is coming out relatively soon. High Life is still TBD, right? Uh, Did you see no, a, a date High Life's on November 9th for Europe release in gotcha. france yeah or november 7th i can't remember it was november and then a seven or a nine got it so not um, too far off yeah hopefully we can get a vod option if we just change our ip addresses to europe there you go for the end of the year <laughs> problem solved got it got it shall we segue into the first film of the week what's first on tap cabin in the woods uh, yeah sure that's the Why one not? Like. That's the one you don't like. Let's let's do it. Let's start negative, get positive. I like this movie. I don't. I don't yeah, I just I mean don't Goddard it. is going to be mm. negative for you, and then we'll get yeah. positiver. Correct. With the fours and the fives. Yeah. Hello. I'm thinking this thing doesn't take credit cards. Sign says closed. We're looking for uh, what's it called? Tillerman Road. I have to get you there. Getting back. That's your concern. Yes, we're talking about Cabin in the Woods, directed by Drew Goddard. Written by Drew Goddard, starring a bunch of people I don't know, and a supporting cast of Chris Hemsworth, Richard Jenkins, and a fellow who I always see and never remember the name of that wears glasses. Bradley Whitford? Yes. Yeah. Great. Great memory. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Get Out? Yeah. He's the dad in Get Out. Yeah. Yeah. Great role. Um, Yeah. I saw this movie when it first came out. Me too. On, uh, at home, not in theater, but I remember. I think I watched it, it with my clearly. dad after my dad had already watched it and said that he really liked it. Ah, nice. And I know you don't know my dad, but like my dad does not like these movies. Oh, so the so this fact is a that surprise. he liked this movie is insane. That's cool. Like that's always he fun. doesn't like anything. It's like, always fun. Mission when Impossible Fallout is the only movie he saw in theaters this year, and the only one that he wow. liked. So <laughs> it's a good pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um 
I, I, I liked it at the time. I think I liked it just a tad less this time around, but I still like this movie. You? I think that it's one of the best original horror screenplays that's ever been written, mm. period. I do remember this being uh, said. And the moment in the basement where they're just mm. surrounded by the exposition of basically mm. every horror film in the Western genre that's ever been made, mm. I mm. was just in love. Whoa. So <laughs> much exposition is in that basement. Yeah. Like, it just, it's so fun. The conch shell, the wedding dress, the necklace, mm. the lock, the key, the, the diary, mm. the vanity... You know, it just goes mm. on and on and on. The fact that there's mm. the basement, the trap doors, mm. um, it's just so fun. And Bradley Whitford's, mm. why can't they ever get the merman? That's funny. Oh, yeah. that's a nice touch. The and then when ends, you see the merman, yeah. oh, very And that pig fine. snout is the blowhole. Did you notice that the, the pig, that the no, blowhole on so. the merman is a pig snout? Oh, I don't think I even remember that in hindsight. Yeah. I'll have to go back and look at the snout in particular. I was watching it with my friend, and he didn't notice it either, and I had to, like, rewind it and pause it and go, that's a pig snout. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so you yeah. would assume that these are all GMO creatures, perhaps? I would assume, yes. Um, yeah, the uh, the first time around, I was... Um, I, I, I recall being, um, uh, being quite swept up in the suspense of... Um, where this was all going exactly um without that suspense this time around um i do think it it, it suffered just a little bit for me um you know the second time around once you know where something's going it's kind of up to the craft and for me it's up to the craft to sort of keep me involved and i don't know that the craft of it there, there was anything about the craft that i particularly loved um but i do think it's um a super fun um story and screenplay and, and uh, you know a, a, a fun toying with all the kind of conventions and tropes of horror movies um, uh, but yeah I mean uh, your, your feeling for it is just much greater than mine yes. I don't know that I'm going to disagree with anything I think it's just sort of a depth of feeling difference so, so um, I I recalled quite a bit narratively of, of the way things play out and what happens so I I remembered that um, the viewing aspect is something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that I was watching the movie was I'm me aware of the watchers watching the people that they're controlling. Mm-hmm. So, so it was like an a- added layer because before when I'd watched it, I was someone watching the watchers watching the people. But yeah. now I was self-aware watching mm-hmm. the watchers, knowing everything that is to come. Um, gotcha. yeah, so it just kind of added another layer that made me love it just equally in I'm a different you. way yeah so i mm. i didn't love it less than i did the first time i just loved it differently yeah um and then you, you know i i think that what you said about the screenplay is true but the way that i interpret it is just this is everything you could do with a horror screenplay mm. all like, like you could you could take an element out of that basement and do a whole mm. movie like at least 20 times like there's 20 different horror movies in that basement and the fact yeah. that he pairs them all together into this narrative function yeah and just kind mm. of makes fun of it like it it was really mm. cheeky to me and i i i like that it was kind of like venom like it was constantly sneering mm. at me um I like the joke. I like that it starts out with um, just these terrible, cheesy, campy 
homages to like sexuality a girl not being dressed while she's talking to a very very young handsome chris hemsworth yeah um, the stoner friend rolling up with his collapsible bong that's a coffee cup yeah um it, there's just so many great moments the the girl just dyed her hair blonde right before this moment yeah. you know like yeah. everything mm-hmm. is as stupid as it is in all these b movies that are horror but it makes a really smart clever science fiction film out of what would normally be like you know a bad interpretation of the hills have eyes which mm. is kind of one of its biggest homages of uh if, oh, if not like the texas chainsaw massacre because mm. it is the redneck zombies that kind of uh, are our mm. exposition um, force. That's interesting. Yeah, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I've seen. I don't know if I've ever seen The Hills Have Eyes. You would love um, it. It is a fantastic would. film. Um, yeah. I haven't seen the original. I'm mm. talking about the remake specifically, which I think is mm. maybe 2005 to seven. But it is, oh, okay. it is yeah. truly yeah. like a wonderful film, yeah. but a very disturbing film that like i yeah. really don't want to watch again but if you want to yeah. watch it again for halloween Ooh, we can be fun <laughs> um i'm open to it i'm just very nervous about it because it's a very f- deeply fucked up film that is very scary it's quite a pitch and i'm a child <laughs> that's a great sales scared pitch. <laughs> um yeah uh evil dead was one that came to mind for me um in that uh I, I Evil Dead is the one that comes to mind when I think about the group of teenagers going to a cabin in the woods. It, it's all these narrative tropes being played with, but it, it is doing some fun or original things um, and some deep mythological things, which mm. obviously you know that I love. Yes, I love yeah. the the uh, pentagon or pentagram mm. being these five characters um, mm. holding the the Eternals in which you were very mm. skeptical of, but I yeah. I very much enjoyed the narrative trope because that is yeah. truly what you're doing. And then I, I like that it's also making fun of the horror genre by um, by having all, all of this happening. Um, mm. be, because the, the directors of horror films are arguably kind of doing exactly what is in this film. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I just think that it's a fascinating depiction and conversation to be had about mm. how humans want to experience things and how mm. we want ritual suffering um or ritualized suffering and some of us are like very predisposed to enjoying it um i have mm. a friend who who i really enjoy reading on letterboxd and basically all he does is horror films he'll yeah. watch other yeah. things but like horrors is jam yeah and i love uh the expression of the viscerality that he's finding in his body mm. at these experiences. Yeah. And I, I like that people are getting outside them or deeper inside themselves yeah. by getting outside of themselves in these experiences. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. And, and it, you know, it's the only time that we often encounter the, the scares that we would commonly have encountered 120 years ago Yeah, as we were navigating the prairie or, or what have you, yeah. where we're actually, you know, in Barbara Loden's little short yeah. film world. Yeah. You know, um, going mad at the howling of the wind is for yeah. strapped to a chair. Yeah. Nice little callback. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you kind of already alluded to it, but, um, you know, when I think about how, how I imagine or how I can see this script coming together, I think, you know, the, the, to me, the, the strongest appeal of this movie is in getting to see somebody pull the strings and sort of, essentially play the director's role in putting together a horror movie um 
and that's sort of where the idea for this story starts but in order for that to happen you kind of have to give you have to come up with a reason for why there would be somebody doing that and i think that's where like i just i i kind of lose interest in this story like i i just wish there had been something a bit more grounded in reality about why they were doing this um oh dude it's just college screenplay 101 like what are you talking about uh how so you know half the class or like half the nerd part of the screenplay classes in college come up with like a heaven and hell story or like a bureau story Mm. and it's always like fantastical right and this one's the bureau that's keeping the the primordial eternals uh suppressed with their blood thirst yeah but to me there's 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 nothing ironic about it to me that like it's like that layer that's not almost it that's part is almost not campy enough um, to me, I kept. I feel well, like. How it's, do you make that campy? I don't know. That that's because these I'm are like such the deep is, but... old broad ideas. Like I, I don't know if you can make it campy and still preserve the integrity of uh, real world yeah. that they're emerging from. But yeah, I, I feel like the film is asking me to wonder what is this all for, and the reason in the end is very unsatisfying, which is the problem with with a lot of horror movies that are are not terribly successful is that the motivations for whatever the villains are are doing um feels silly and I, I to me it was a little silly i mean um, at the end of the world I, I i don't know that the stakes needed to be that uh catastrophic they allude to sometimes just the idea that um they're they're manipulating things the way they are just because they want to give the customers what they want I don't know that like to make that point that there there needed to be um i don't know that they that they needed to imagine that that they were that there were gods involved to me it's just a little bit of a stretch of suspension of disbelief that there was for me just 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 a bit much yeah i i get it i'm a fan of primordials <laughs> i, I like go. lava glowing giant yeah. beans that you could call titans or or what yeah. have you that are going to go smush and, and crush humans from the earth yeah it's fun um yeah and lots of like lots of stuff that i like but again i just like i i could have imagined it being just even a little bit um more satirical or campier um there are elements that i i kept thinking it was kind of asking me to take seriously um like uh the relationship between the redhead and the the guy with the glasses um yeah to me, there was a sincerity there that I'm like, this This actually feels quite conventional to me mm-hmm. um, in a way that seemed sort of not in keeping with some of the other, uh, with the irony of other things. Not a huge deal. It's just something that kind of stood out. Um, well, how about the irony of like their brutal murder instantly of him? Of the guy with the glasses? Yeah. Like he just dies. Like, well, it takes up. a little while. I mean, he, not until like they've made yeah. out and stuff like, yeah. But, but... It, whereas like Chris Hemsworth has a really slow uh, plot line where you see his death developing mm. yeah. uh, the blonde you see her death developing yeah and then yeah. they get to this point where it's kind of um, or no the fool's already quote unquote died mm. so it's Hemsworth the wide receiver and um, the the main girl yeah. who I would yeah. say is our protagonist main hero yeah. character which I thought was a, a unique choice and a cool choice to make a female main character that the entire audience identifies with instead of a, a yeah. main male character. Definitely. Um, so I, I thought the screenplay was really strong there. Um, but 
Uh, so it's it's her, and and then Hemsworth kills himself on the dirt bike, right? Yes. Then they start fleeing. Yeah. And yeah. he gets like insta killed. Yeah. Like and redneck like, shows up in the trunk. Yeah, but just like instantly he gets killed, right? Yeah. Uh, like driving the RV or something. I I thought that was like, you know, they were setting you up for this conventionality. I thought, mm. and then they ironically killed him without mm. any foreshadowing. Got it. That was yeah. As a surprise in itself, that part was effective yeah. for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I thought like, yeah, that that's the right setup, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because you think he's going to get away, and then no, it's really the fool that emerges with his bong to save the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, there was an interesting. I think it was Mike D'Angelo actually who who complained a little bit or thought it was strange that they chose to show early on the the hawk or the eagle flying into the fence Mm -hmm. and therefore telling us early on that this fence is a thing only to then um keep us waiting for chris hemsworth to drive into it which to me is to me that criticism makes no sense to me it's it's the classic example of suspense versus surprise Mm -hmm. and how i almost always prefer suspense over surprise knowing that whole time that it's exactly what's going to happen is what makes that part actually so but you also are like but will it you know, there's, there's always a that part 5% of you. Yeah, chance that, like, of you. They, is he somehow going to get through it? Like You're kind of like hedging your bets so that you can understand the film moving forward. You're like, but yeah. there's a chance he'll make it, and I need to be prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To me, it's just that classic, we've talked about Hitchcock on every episode, but that classic example of showing the audience in advance what they're waiting for and make them wait. Mm-hmm. To me, like, that was great. Yeah. Um, that's one of the the you know more satisfying moment you're like nope it happened it it, it, it happened exactly how i thought it was gonna happen <laughs> you know what else is great huh gonna blow the audience mind mm. hitchcock boom boom are we a pro hitchcock podcast we said it first <laughs> we are radical uh, richard jenkins hilarious Bradley Whitford, hilarious. Great. I, I would not replace them with anybody what do you Definitely think about not. the end sequence before we get to primordials when they don't know what's happening and we are um, kind of in the elevator shaft, if you will. Oh, that's fun. As they're going down and seeing all the different creatures and villains, that part's great. Okay. Super fun. That worked for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of... Um, I, I, I just wish there had been something else to cap off this ride. Um, it's really just once we get into that chamber with Sigourney Weaver... Um, that uh, I, I just I just don't love the ending, um, but I think that shootout with all the various creatures and villains is super fun. Um, that part's great. What would you think about the um, the different um, I guess you'd call them bureaus around the world? Uh, yeah, like what we see on the TV screens and whatnot. Yeah. But but we see a little bit of it. The only person, one we guess, see that's still competing besides America is Japan, which I I thought yeah. was a nice touch. Which does, it, it looks like a Japanese horror movie. Oh, yeah, it looks me, like right? Mangu, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't which, know if that's the personally, proper pronunciation, but... Personally, that is one genre that I find particularly terrifying. Japanese so, horror films? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they fucking suck, dude. That they is one moment where I'm like, this isn't funny. That's scary. <laughs> I, I want to watch, like, South Korean horror movies, because those are just, like, murder the zombie movies. Mm-hmm. They're not, like, actual scary, the banshee demon is gonna kill everybody movies, which... Demonic little girls, man. They they get me. They bum me out. But if yeah. you stand around them and sing, they'll turn mm. into a lotus. 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um it can't be that hard to kill a bunch of little schoolgirls. Yeah, there are some great one-liners that are not podcast appropriate, but that I enjoyed a great deal. Richard Jenkins just screaming at the television. I think multiple occasions. we're a explicit podcast. Yeah, I think he's literally so just looking all... at the Japanese one going, fuck you, fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> great stuff. Cause, yeah, because it's putting all the pressure on their program. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, lots to like. Um but um i think it's like one of the most rewatchable horror movies that's i mean i i think once you uh, know what's gonna happen it doesn't necessarily ruin it mm. to me there uh i I mean i would still just on you know if i'm defining a great rewatcher i i I would pick something where the the i don't tire of the atmosphere of the mood of it of certain set pieces i think the end is a great set piece um but um you don't like the cabin in the woods i do but i, I think i would probably rather watch evil dead again no i mean the the setting of the cabin i was confused in the woods. <laughs> it's too meta because <laughs> you were talking about the end set piece and i'm talking about the set piece of a cabin in the woods oh i got it um i i do i i think there are some good visual gags um there weren't a lot um i think it's when the stoner is like taking a piss and you kind of see one of the redneck little girls coming up behind him at like the back right of the frame i do think there's some visual oh yeah um, and then she crosses into the shadows and you lose track of her and then chris exactly runs up and then um they turn around and she's like right there yeah Yeah, that was very effective it was very um michael myers yeah yeah um so yeah when i when i think of rewatches like i just have to i kind of have to have shots that i love sequences that i love oh, feelings no, I mean, that just i love like, so kicking yeah. back with with some friends and like talking gotcha. while the movie's yeah. on and you're dr- drinking beer. yeah like, oh yeah like totally. not, a, not a rewatch to stare at yeah N- not like high art that you want to reinterpret yeah like this is a great background rewatch movie like it's, it's kinda, a great yeah. atmosphere movie for like mm. just hanging out it's the kind of movie I might rewatch after, like, another horror movie that does scare the shit out of me. And this would just, like, nice... Help you help me unwind. It. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and tell me why not to be afraid, because it reminds me why it's a little silly. There's yeah. value in that. Yeah, because <laughs> we'd already be dead if uh, the sacrifices didn't work. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like Chris Hemsworth in the movie. I think he's funny. I do, too. I think it's <laughs> interesting that... I think this movie was made before all the big movies that he proceeded to be in yeah um and like they didn't even watch this movie to cast him in those films yeah yeah the the idea of him as the jock being totally okay with his girlfriend's just overt making sexual behavior and he's like just all about it in front of everybody he's like yeah Yeah. do it girl like what (laughs) it's just ridiculous and it's hilarious he has a very broad range that is very he does yeah he's got a he's got a comedy bone in his body he does and he's framed really really well by goddard in the next film oh interesting. he does a very Mm. good job of using Mm. um set and and background shapes to kind Mm. of elicit him to be a bigger figure than he is oh interesting uh yeah i wonder uh they they seem to be buds 
at the least. I would assume. Yeah. I hope. I'd like to see him show up in that X-Force movie Goddard's working on. Mm, there you go. That should be... Um, I don't know if they're doing Deadpool 3, but I, I know mm. that um, that is lined up and kind of in production right now with um, him working on the screenplay, I believe, as well. There so you go. we will get an R-rated entry into the Deadpool, Fox, Marvel, mm. Disney... I don't... I think it's all Disney now. Yeah. Is it? Is It'll Deadpool all... Disney now? Uh... What studio did it? Fox. If it's Fox, then yeah. I didn't, so think, I didn't realize it was Fox. Should, should we mm-hmm. place a bet on how fast T.J. Miller gets fired? Well, probably be pretty <laughs> quick. It'd be faster than we can make the bet. Uh, mm. Yeah, mm. I, I feel like I could just rant about how much I love it. and You just mm. keep smiling and drinking beer and saying, yeah, Good. I get that you think that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I like this movie a lot. There are lots that I love more, but I, I would... Uh, yeah. I would not argue against it. I, I throw it. it in that 10 Cloverfield Lane um, mm. genre. I think 10 Cloverfield is by far the better film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I do think screenplay-wise they're each competitive. Mm. And, and um, I you know I think it's, it's just in that great horror sci-fi camp that there's mm. so little of. There needs to be more of. Yeah. Good ones. There's lots of bad ones. Yeah. Do you want a segue? Let's get to it. All right, the new on. release. Bad times at the El Royale. You're just too good to be true. Sir. Can't take my eyes off you. We have a problem. You be like heaven to You watch me? I only watch who they tell me to watch. Who's they? Management. Did you think you could just take what's mine? I wouldn't come a hunt. No, I figured you would. And I'd be ready when you did. Have you lost, Father? Can I confess something to you? I'm not really a priest. This is a movie. Tis. It's got its accoutrement. Mm-hmm. It's got um three Parks and Rec employees from uh, Indiana. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of two. I'm thinking of Jerry. I'm thinking... Gritch. Jim O'Hare himself. Yes. I'm thinking about Nick Offerman. Who's the third? John Hamm. Oh, you're right. Late season Parks and Rec. Forgot about that. Yep. He was also uh, briefly an employee for Liz Lemon at 30 Rock. Ah, oh, I didn't know As know the that. same exact character. Really? That's yes. interesting. So they're in the I same like universe, which I love. Yeah, we have a stacked cast between those three we already mentioned. Chris Hemsworth. Kaylee Spaney. Yes, our singer. No, that is... Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, she's the young girl. You're yeah. Right. Um, Dakota Johnson. Yep. I think that's about it, name-wise, that I know, actually. Getting, uh, I want to say it's Cynthia Erivo? Yeah. Pulled it Something out. Something like that. I grabbed it I think that's in the right. depths of my soul, and I pulled it out. That's right. Is that all? Uh, I don't know who oh, plays Oh, yeah, yeah, we have a young Bellboy. kid. And then there's another character who I didn't know who you said you were really excited to see. A young girl. No, a, a guy. Maybe. Oh, Xavier Dolan. Yeah, I don't know yeah. that actor. He uh, he's a he's a director uh, primarily. He um, I think he has acted some. He's he's a Canadian director who actually did like a lot of like voice work and like child acting, but he directed um, a film called Mommy couple years ago he directed one called heartbeats 
um, Lawrence anyways. He, he's, he's definitely a festival circuit director. Okay. Um, who kind of makes these foreign language um, melodramas. Um, what nationality that I really love. is he then? Canadian. So is he French Canadian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're in French. Okay. I think you said yeah, foreign language film, so I'm like, oh yeah, Canadians' yeah. primary language is English. Yeah, yeah. I think they're. All, I think I don't think he's made an English English language film. Yeah, I think they're all in French. But ah, he, he is one of them. Quebecois directors. Yes. He plays Cynthia Irvio's like record label manager in that brief scene. That's yeah, that very creepy. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. I've just never seen him in a movie. I was like, what's he doing here? Gotcha. I've only gotcha. seen him as director. Okay. Um, I won't have like. But you've seen him enough his... to notice him. Uh, in articles and reviews and that kind of yeah, thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, not that I'll have much to say about his performance here. It just caught my eye. Um, He's good at being creepy. Yeah, he did his job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you liked this film a little bit more than I did. Sounds I like. liked it one and a half stars more than you. Yeah. Yeah. By all accounts, you did not like this film. Not very much. You gave no. it an F. Correct. Um, it did kind of fail for me. Were you yeah. not entertained? I was not very entertained. I thought it felt really long, for one. How about the beginning? <sighs> not terribly entertained. Mildly entertained, perhaps. Um, I, I do think it got it, it, it steadily got worse for me, but I don't know that I was ever really into it. I feel like it. Mm. the problem is that it peaked when John Hamm was alive. Mm. And John Hamm dies very, very quickly. He does. Um, Jeff Bridges. We forgot about him. Yes. Yeah. I knew there was like a main yeah. guy. I was, I was like, like, I kind of feel like there were more than were naming, but. <laughs> um, I love the opening scene with Nick Offerman. I thought that, that was really, really well mm, staged and, and well depicted. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, one of your main complaints is the framing of the film. And I don't necessarily yeah. agree with that. So why don't mm. you um, start there? Yeah. Start at a disagreement because so, there's going to be lots. Yeah. Um, I mean, for a film that's set predominantly in one location except for some of those flashbacks i mean for me it's essentially a single location film um yeah it's a single location timeline film with flashbacks to multiple locations yeah with a payoff Um, at the end yeah um which means that uh building a sense of place and and having this place the el royale have some character of its own is pretty critical for me to my enjoyment of it and I thought that was something that was really lacking and it's something that I feel like um, the camera really failed to do I think um, it did feel very sterile I don't know if that's the camera's fault or if that's just not an interesting location I'm going to be problem, honest like, I don't think it was an interesting location in retrospect I don't mm. I mean yeah it's nifty that it's on a state line but like it's not visually mm. appealing to look at yeah, that, um, like the ornamentation of the rooms, and um, looking for where the the um, the false mirror might be. Hmm. Um, that that was more interesting. Um, you know, the most interesting hmm. the room got once again is while John Hamm is alive tearing it apart for wires. Yeah, well, I mean, then I guess you can argue like, well, it's uninteresting because it's supposed to be uninteresting. But like to me, that's like just not an exciting movie going experience. Like I would yeah. rather it plays be interesting in yeah some way. when i think um, about like an interesting setting um kind of in this same genre i think about like how in my mind the character of the building and the staircases of the interior of those fight scenes for kill bill 
mm. are are so much just a character of the film mm. and yeah. in this it's not like i'd, I'd say that the mm. rain at the el royale is more of a character than the than the buildings themselves yeah yeah i mean i think often what can define a sense of place is the people that populate that space so this film um, uh, you know deliberately eliminates that possibility because the place is abandoned or it's not abandoned but there's nobody there mm -hmm. so it can use that option the other way is to just try and m move the camera and frame things in such a way that you give us a spatial awareness of what it feels like to be there um and in that sense it kind of failed like i just never really felt like i knew what it was like to walk down that hallway and uh look into those rooms um, I was just kind of unmoved by those. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I just didn't I feel felt much. like yeah. I knew what it was like. But I, I do feel like I was kind of removed and it was kind of sterile. Hmm. But yeah. I I don't know. For, for me, I always question when I'm feeling sterility hmm. in a film because a lot of people think that that's like some of the best qualities. Like I think that Kubrick is largely a sterile filmmaker. Hmm. He came I, to mind. I think yeah. that um, Thoroughbred's director is a sterile hmm. filmmaker. And I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. It just removes me from being able to emotionally vibe with an environment. Is kind mm -hmm. of what that means. Yeah. And I, I, I thought that it looked fine, but I, I do agree that some of those hallway shots were not as as moving as they should be. Yeah. And I, I felt like I had a better sense of place at the uh, cult slayer than I did kind yeah. of for anything else until the end scene. Um, I mean, I guess the other flashbacks, like the bank heist, I felt like I knew that I was in that town. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But the next best sense nice of place is yeah. uh, is that end um, in Reno. Yeah. Yeah, I just felt like for for a a space that seems to be um, prescribed with a lot of meaning, something that, that sort of represents this great breach of privacy and something that's sort of a defining feature of the El Royale, um, it was just particularly unmoving for me you know the shining came to mind because i think about it as another hotel without people in it whose space i feel like i really come to know through those tracking shots right oh, like that yeah. uncanny sense of how the camera moves and makes it feel like this cavernous space is super effective so just um, bring up like one of the best directors and one of the most acclaimed horror titles of all time yeah well it's only because it's the easiest way, way example to, take to come it to easy mind. Easy on the film. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying that I, just I use that as haymakers. I'm just <laughs> like those are the two ways that I think about how you can build a sense of place. I, I think there are many way, many other ways, but Rear Window for one is an example of a, of a movie that is set in an apartment complex where you have all these different rooms populated with different people. Um, whose lives we're getting a peek into, and that kind of gives the apartment like a sense of its own kind of life. The Shining is a completely different kind of example where it's a completely depopulated building, but the camera um, and the mise-en-scene giving us a sense of what it feels like to be there. I don't think it's really employing either tactic just to, to just put me in the movie. Like, I, I just mm -hmm. remained um, not in it. I felt um, like I was... Um... I felt like that restraint made me become more identified with the characters and mm. more in their shoes in this place that I didn't understand or feel like I belonged in, which I, I, yeah, I thought sense. was maybe uh, the goal and how I was interpreting it 
to be mm. uncomfortable, to not feel like you belong in this place, and to want to kind of get out as soon as you can. Mm. That's and and then on top of that, like I thought that the meta conversation that was happening between you know federal government, Vietnam War, uh, oppression. Mm. You can't not think about like the uh, Green Book while you're watching this with Cynthia Revo um, and her arrival of you know the way that her car appears and that you don't know she's a singer yet you question whether or not she's been sleeping out of it and then later you question whether or not um she's been working out of it as a um you know promiscuous night worker perhaps a whore um (laughs) uh, and then dakota johnson shows up and and you know uh john ham names her as a hippie and you begin to buy in that she is a hippie the way that he's talking you kind of get the impression he's not a vacuum salesman but you don't yet know Mm. he's a uh, employee um you have this conversation with heroin we have a vietnam vet um you, mm. you know i i was really on board for the meta conversation drew's mm. screenplay had mm. um and if i wasn't i would have not liked this movie at all but i was yeah. very very interested in the deeper conversations happening just like i was in hold the dark yeah of, of what's behind these alliterations within the screenplay yeah yeah um <laughs> Well, that's maybe a good segue then into kind of characters. Or there's mm-hmm. are there some you were drawn to more than others? Um, any any Cynthia any standouts? Riva. Yeah, hundred percent. I mostly just want to talk about her. Yeah, just an incredible standout performance. I'm. Mm. I would love to see her in lots of movies moving forward. Yeah, I want to see her uh, in a comedy. I want to see her mm. in a musical. Yeah, I want to see her kind of in everything. Um, most namely, I want to see her in Steve McQueen's Widows. That'd be cool. Because she's in it. Oh, she is in it? She is. Oh, really? The other black actress. Oh, interesting. You can't I don't know why I was even... I, I thought it was Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, um, Viola Davis, and then she's the fourth? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know why. I, I, I just somehow... I don't think I knew her. That's probably why I, I didn't know her either. Yeah. I honestly thought that she was Mary J. Blige for like the first couple minutes of the movie because i thought yeah. that that's what it said in the trailer ah got for it. some reason yeah. i thought that it said mary j blige yeah i was like this is not mary j blige who is this one more reason her. to get me pumped yeah i'm excited now yeah right. she was great um she's got some pipes when she's singing at the roulette table yeah don't sing honey he doesn't deserve to hear you sing no it's fine mm. that's a belt mm. i was just watching her vocal cords mm. oh my god her yeah. neck is ripped. Yeah. Um, yeah, you had asked about the framing. Uh, to me, there's a little bit of a pacing issue with this film, and it's a it's a very, very, very steady pace. I don't think it ever really accelerates or decelerates in speed. And for me, I think some of these moments, particularly when she's singing, they, they would just would have been accentuated had there been more variation kind of with the tempo um to really underline just how great her voice is to me um i i kind of wish she had just um emphasized it more somehow um if it 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 felt (laughs) it 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 felt inconsequential relative to sort of the frames before it and the frames after it because the pace was so steady i kind of needed some change in tempo something purposeful with the structure of the futility of beauty the futility of beauty um 
did not strike me that way. No. Uh, okay. That's interesting, though. Um, you know, I had moments yeah. where, where I also felt that way. I just, I always try to think, like, anytime I feel something, it's, I feel like I'm kind of stupid to not first question, do they want me to feel this way? Y- you know yeah. what I mean? Because sometimes I, I do think that they, that, that is a goal. Um, mm. But I, I think that um, I would call this a vignette structured story yeah. that um, suffers for it. Not that it was the wrong call, just like it was never going to be great. This was mm. never going to be a great movie. <laughs> um, you kill your best. Sorry, ca- Drew. <laughs> you, you kill your best character that early. Um, whether or not that is for a, a good thematic reason and meta conversation um, or not, you killed him. John Hamm was dead, and he was wildly entertaining and fun. Dead, and gone, he's ruined. Dead, gone, ruined. <laughs> and he was so fun. He was doing these fun little accents and, mm. and playing it up and just really mm. hamming it up, if you will. Oh, he's hammy here. <laughs> um, and I, I, I don't think that the wider audience would enjoy this. I can't say that I'd recommend this to many adults mm. um, that are kind of wanting the adult fair um mm. meaning like you know things that will be nominated for awards or award consideration yeah like i can't even say that someone that loves tarantino should see this because they might be yeah. talking about like award contending tarantino yeah of the recent years not like grindhouse tarantino yeah. but if someone likes grindhouse tarantino you know i'd say this is a fine entry yeah i mean i i was surprised when john ham died because i was kind of in this Tarantino mind where I assumed she was uh Cynthia Urbio was going to get revenge on this this racist bigot you know to me that sounds like a very Tarantino kind of thing just to to rewrite a story to give the person who we want um to get revenge yeah, actually but, get but it by then we'd already understood that he wasn't a racist bigot that he was playing a character right right but um you know I I was still expecting there for her to not know that mm-hmm. um you know yeah. But you're totally right. He was lost, and that was sad. It, it was very sad. Mm. Um, and then I, how to, <laughs> I, I don't even, because of its vignette structure, like, I don't know how to segue back and forth. Yeah. But, you know, this is at a point in time when I think Nixon was president. Yeah. Um, we're still in Vietnam. Um, we are too, we are alluded to the fact that it is probably JFK sleeping with a woman on mm. a tape um yeah we have a cutaway to a a cult grounds where chris is running kind of a revivalist um anti-religion believe in me typical cult yeah uh, as a manson figure mm. um yeah very waco and I loved those moments mm, as yeah. a conversation. Mm-hmm. I thought that there was some really strong framing in moments, but yeah. largely I was bored. It was boorish. Mm. I agree. I was bored too. I I, um, I just kept going like, eh. yeah, like this is a great conversation, but like, why isn't this a series with like thirty-eight minute episodes or something? You know, like yeah. Why didn't it end with her smashing the bottle on Jeff Bridges and mm. then go to the next episode? Like, why Why yeah. didn't it end with, like, um, 
him taking uh, not Cynthia with him taking Kaylee Spaney um, to Mm. go sleep with her when she's clearly like way too young based on the narrative of the film yeah she's extremely young at this point in time um she's 21 in real life i believe but like within the narrative it feels like she's 14 and she looks extremely much younger than that yeah uh when he first meets her and and, you know begins the sexual encounter with her on the the beach of of california yeah um you know like all these moments seem like a good idea as like a series Mm. i just i I question whether or not a feature film was the correct direction for this project to have taken Mm. yeah I agree. Um, especially, with, yeah, just with this kind of wide of, of an ensemble, with this varied of experiences, I agree. What, would you or a forgive, miniseries? Yeah. Would you forgive the framing more if it was a limited series and not a feature film? Uh, you have to watch in one sitting? Probably. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like I would a, too. Um, I, I really, really value, you know, a kind of singular um, and palpable atmosphere in a feature and a little less so in a miniseries that yeah. is its reason for existing is narrative and forward forward momentum yeah um, yeah I, so I and i mean that. the other thing like a vignette film from like ross perry has an atmosphere mm. this did not have a consistent yeah. atmosphere I agree. um but i once again the meta ideas i think that he's a great screenwriter i think that mm. w- what he's doing with big ideas and having a conversation with characters about big stuff is mm. really important and good writing to have in the milieu the social milieu of our generation but it I just don't yeah. think this is the correct way of presenting that as the project. Yeah, well, to, it's weird because to me it's like, then, like, is it a good screenplay if 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 how it's if it's not written such that it can be brought to life in a engaging way? It's like it's like yes, I, I kind of sense the themes, but how he's kind of with engaging with the themes seems kind of heavy handed to me. Um, you think so? A little bit. Sometimes, you know, there are these sort of thematic signifiers, like, you know, you see the um, uh, television, you know, showing us some kind of historical um, reference point like Vietnam. And I'm like, oh, is this a metaphor? Is this is this a commentary, perhaps? I don't know. Like, it's just tricky when you um, are trying to um, comment on history in some way or 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 make some kind of larger point. I It's 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 hard to do for a reason and for for me it's the characters doing that and anything that you encounter that's kind of a static object even Mm. a television program is an item with which you are watching the interpreted character um who who is a meta character engage with and so Mm. when when we see it get turned off yeah that that was the point to me not the fact of what Mm. uh, of it being on or what it was but the fact that it was this and it was on and this character just turned it off yeah to tune it out literally yeah and to then think about who that character is and what they're representing at this point in time Mm -hmm. like the fact that jeff bridges is a con man ex-convict yeah who is a catholic priest within the film yeah is a i i think a, a great representation of you know personally religion yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking Fair con enough. men they're asking yeah. it's yeah. sunday almost michael can i have 15 percent of your paycheck yeah please yeah. you'll go <laughs> to hell if you don't give it to me yeah yeah <laughs> give it to me now <laughs> you know it, it to, to me it, it's smart um to have her presented as this figure who could be a woman of the night 
at this point in time but also have her presented in a way that makes you think about the green book Mm -hmm. and the fact that she can't find safety right now the fact that the first time she encounters john ham he calls her negro yeah you know this is all uh deeply troubling and saddening and then when you figure out that she's just a really strong beautiful woman who's trying to do her absolute best at every turn she's being um taken advantage of and trodden on yeah and that she has this beauty in her and the the only way we see that is this creepy watching her through the false mirror thing like i I don't it i like the idea Mm. of the narrative doing that and i i liked Mm. it doing that um i just questioned the format in which i got to those characters yeah i don't question the characters as much yeah, I think I saw that he used to write for television, right? Didn't he write for, like, Elias and Lost? I believe um, so. You know, I, I, uh, I'm surprised that he, he maybe didn't consider taking a project like this to television. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, live and learn. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. Uh, I think that last I checked, this was doing a 71 on Rotten Tomatoes, a 68 on Meta. So. Yeah. And I remember earlier this week, it was, like, an 82%. Yeah, on Rotten Tomatoes and maybe a seventy nine yeah. on on a Meta. Well, it's so coming it's, down. it's coming way down. Yeah, the more people that see it, which is, I think, mm-hmm. maybe a, a learning lesson for him with his screenplays moving forward. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I guess, what did you think of the characters? Did you get any of what I'm talking about out of the the conversation? Um, I connected probably most with Dakota Johnson's character. Um, uh, I think to me her her character and and what she was overcoming was was uh more personal than perhaps some of the other characters um actually i take that back um that's probably not the right right way to phrase it but um i did most believe in her concern for her sister um she was the easiest person for you to emotionally find stability in yeah absolutely um and uh, I, I I just like her as a performer. Um, I know. Do you? Eh, take me over. Yeah. Not I I thought I would like her more. Um, I thought I liked her more, and I'm starting yeah. to wonder what I thought I saw in like a bigger splash. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, and things like that, and I'm kind of worried about Suspiria, honestly now. Ah. Um. I, I don't think she's a bad actress. I just don't know if she's worked on too many big productions to... I, I think she needs to work with small auteurs for a while mm. to get back to wherever we thought she was going before um, the Fifty Shades got her um, yeah. under their thumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I connected with her just as... Uh, um, as a performer, obviously, we've already talked about Cynthia Urbio, but, um, you know, the the idea that, that all these people kind of have um, past that they're kind of seeking to overcome um, is perhaps kind of this unifying thread that was that was most um, readily apparent to me. Um, and you but, viewed uh, them as isolated characters. Yeah. And I viewed them as representations mm. of the American mm. uh, country at that time. Got it. Yeah yeah um like she she's mm. the the mother um that was willing i mean even though she's a sister she's a mother character 
that was willing to get raped to spare her sister but by sparing her sister an understanding of what is right and wrong and and what pain is her sister then found the worst pain and the the worst suffering and um buys into it wholeheartedly and and worships it and loves it yeah and um so even though she did what was right at the time she thought it ended up being the wrong thing and i think that that's the way that a lot of mothers at that point in time were feeling with cults all around i know that like Mm. um people that were living in, in northern oregon or eastern southeastern washington were very concerned yeah. during the um the wild wild country stuff yeah because my my family's from there and that was a deep concern at the time um yeah girls just getting picked up at, while they're hitchhiking huge yeah. concern at the time serial killers and you know like yeah i think there was that there is a very astute conversation about what was happening at that point in time in america represented yeah. by every one of these characters yeah yeah um yeah i mean a, a movie that came to mind uh that we are uh, that we have not yet seen is once upon a time in hollywood tarantino's next movie about the manson murder you haven't seen that yet uh, no i already saw it you haven't seen it oh, no. no uh you know <laughs> you I, I, <laughs> for for another movie that's going to be set in the in the, the the same era taking on uh you know a similar topic about the 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 dark side of the counterculture but with arguably um, like a 10 times better cast correct um and that's not that this is a bad cast that's the tarantino's cast is insane yeah sony yeah. pictures True. pulled a coup it's pretty stacked um the weinstein's fuck up mm, is sony's genius no, move no, they're gonna make exactly. so much money between this and venom sony's getting big dude they got uh, a pretty, pretty pumped carrie fukunaga's james bond that's right in the way yeah. they're looking good got i like little, sony got the next in the pipeline might be time to invest in sony there you go um they have spider-man right yeah that's why yeah. i just said oh venom. yeah venom yeah, yeah. yeah i guess that's the same world um i guess those will ultimately converge right that's the idea yeah i think that the next spider-man far from home is going to be more in an independent universe again yeah yeah meaning no tony yeah. i think yeah um yeah tarantino came to mind just because i don't feel like um he's one he, he's one ah, i won't even go there because i know it's a big tour. I, I i don't want to invoke you know just the, the 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 greatest every time um but to to stick with it, it is easier for the Royale. listeners yeah to use people that you know they've seen so mm. tarantino is someone that everyone's seen so just yeah. go ahead yeah um I, I i just think um to bring themes to life it, it has to come through strong direction and i think the, the, the i don't doubt any of the the the, the uh, i don't doubt any of the themes we're talking about but i really question um the strength of the direction in bringing those themes to life i agree yeah i think that um the camera was really good though i think whatever mm. those lenses were were fucking dope i think they were panavisions yeah. um i know that um sean baker mm. really liked this movie yeah and liked the yeah. look of it which i thought was really interesting because yeah. you and i both love sean baker and sean baker's I films love sean baker yeah but we didn't respond to this one yeah. so it, it is interesting to see where uh an artist can maybe find something in the direction because they are a director that we yeah. aren't noticing yeah 
I, I guess the way I usually think about framing kind of versus cinematography and direction versus cinematography, like I usually, I don't even know if this is fair or not since I've never made a movie, but usually cinematography, I'll, like I'll attribute um, light focus, those kinds of things to the cinematographer, but how things fit within the frame and where the camera is positioned to the director. Hmm. Is that fair? Do, do, do you even think of the same way? So we're at least aligning I, I over vocabulary. I generally no. think in the same way as yeah. you, but there there's always exceptions. Like I don't yeah. think in that way when I'm talking about Soderbergh. I don't think in that way mm. when I'm talking about Tarantino because Tarantino's basically never worked with Deacons, yeah. or never not worked with Deacons rather. I don't yeah. think in that way like when we're talking about Spielberg or or Nolan. Um, and anytime it's a writer director, I I do question how much the director is staging things and then leaving mm. everything else to the cinematographer depending on the relationship with them yeah yeah that makes sense and i think like, that uh the cinematographer here is seamus mcgarvey if i'm remembering correctly yeah um and and i know that he's big and, and that i think drew worked with him before and, and they have a good relationship mm. so i do question how much might be on yeah. seamus yeah yeah and, that, and that's what i i don't know either um but, but i like, mean in general broad swaths yeah i absolutely yeah. agree yeah, so like in terms of the cinematography and how things just looked, regardless of where the camera was or what was in front of it, like I thought it looked good. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, that's um, just camera and lenses to me. Yeah, like it just was sheeny and it's pretty. just sharp. Uh, yeah, I just saw Destination Wedding. It mm. basically looks just as sheeny and pretty, except for it. I was better paced. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah, knew who I'm the characters were at the end. That of it. helps. <laughs> I think I gave them both the same score, but I I would say I like Destination Wedding more. Even, yeah, I I like the cerebral writing portion of this mm. film more than I like the watching film. Yeah, it. yeah, that makes sense. I I definitely had four minutes that I really liked, and they were all the mm. violence. Yeah, I think and I would also agree. Also, watching this. John Hamm walk around in the rain. Yeah, you said you said it was the cult flashback that was one of your favorites, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorites. Um, that's good. So the, the a thing that just briefly that um, either Seamus, I I would assume it's Drew's choice does is that there's this uh, smokestack at the uh, cult um, grounds that is not lit during the flashback mm. and it's kind of this chimney stack that has this hole in it that shows the dark night sky behind it mm. and it is silhouetted so as to appear as a crown above Chris Hemsworth's skull mm. during the scene in which he's uh, oh, talking cool. about the um, uh, whatever that is that before he makes the two girls fight so they can go have sex with him yeah the winner is yeah um and Classic. then later when we get into the el royale mm-hmm. the fires are going yeah and there yeah. is a uh above the fireplace there is a, a circle that is either a mirror or it's the fire i can't mm-hmm. remember which and so now there's light mm-hmm. and it's en- ensconced encircled around mm-hmm. his skull um and i, I thought that that was a great Mm. visual ascension mm. of this it's character. Kind of bridge, yeah. yeah. That's a nice touch. I like that. Yeah. That, But mm. that's like the only thing. <laughs> You're like, and that's it. <laughs> I, I guess there is some cool glass work uh, with, within the hallway occasionally. Mm. Not very often, though. Um, yeah. I just keep thinking about scenes in first man if i'm being honest now that i yeah. said glass work i just keep thinking about claire foy in his head yeah and it, yeah oh mm. so we're gonna be launching a first man podcast next week that's right it's called first men Mm-mm. we watch first man on imax <laughs> until it leaves imax and then we continue to watch it until we die mm. 
and we talk about the fact that we watched it and we drink beer tune in <laughs> get excited i am so bad times at the el royale not battle yes. at the el royale not Correct. battle royale not good times at the el royale bad times at the el royale was yes. a bad time for you correct i had a lukewarm time yeah i'm glad i watched it i yeah. think that it is worth watching um if you liked venom you'll probably like this i would say i know that that doesn't mm. hold true for you but i think yeah. that generally with general audiences that's probably true mm. um but I wouldn't urge anyone to go out and see this in theaters. I think it very much translates as a at-home title. I would almost have been more lenient with it if it were a streaming mm. title. Yeah. Um, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I agree. I, I guess I'll follow up. Hold the Dark or Bad Times? Hold the Dark. Okay. Definitely. Um, I don't really remember the run times. I think... I think you're gonna watch bad times at the el royale you gotta carve out a little time i think it's two hours and 20 minutes it's a long movie i think hold the dark is 10 hours 10 minutes longer is it really mm -hmm. okay so it's so it's long too hold the hold the dark went by much faster for me so i'll put it that way um i would say go go see hold the dark but you know i like movies go see both who knows hold the dark you can watch for free it's netflix yeah, yeah. Cool. um i feel like we handled most of what i wanted to talk about the only cool. the only other thing which i don't really know how to put into words right now anyways is just the conversation about vietnam mm. um but i do think that there it's a, it's unfortunate that i can't illuminate more but there is a deep conversation about vietnam and who came back at work within this film mm. when you look at who the last bodies are that are alive in the end of this mm. film um and that the cult leader finally dies when the vietnam vet um picks up a gun finally Mm -hmm. um, that him picking up a gun um, saves and liberates both Cynthia Revo and Jeff Bridges who mm -hmm. each find their peace and move on and live um, what appears to be beautiful lives by the Your way lives. that this has ended. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that is a very um, uplifting and kind message to give to Vietnam vets that are still alive because, you know, historically they were treated like shit when they got back. Yeah, so. yeah. Just wanted to close out. Uplifting on that. note. Yeah. Yeah. Right stuff? Let's do the right stuff. Want to? But first. Cheers. What can be going through a man's mind at this moment? Gordo, I have to urinate. No. Tell him he cannot. Uh say listen, old buddy. Uh they promise we'll stop at the next gas station. They request that you remain in a holding pattern till then. This is the story of the special few at the very top. The elite brotherhood whose achievements inspired a nation and captured the imagination of the world. These are the men who had the right stuff. They all want to see Buck Rogers, and that's us. right stuff you got it we don't talk about it i got the right stuff i don't, uh, I don't know if you do i don't talk i think about you it. do you don't have the right stuff you're talking mm -hmm. about I'm that's confused. that's the only lesson i learned they don't talk <laughs> about who has the right stuff i like this movie quite a darn bit yes you do what about you uh just ask me who's the best pilot in the world who's the best pilot in the world you're looking at him oh <laughs> mm. 
a handsome Dennis Quaid. Handsome Ed Harris. Correct. I enjoyed this film. Mm. I did not enjoy it probably nearly as much as you. Yeah. Like, I liked it, and I feel like it's a four. Mm. I haven't committed yet. I, I feel comfortable with that, though. But, like, you mm. came hot out the gates, throwing... <laughs> Throwing your fives Yeehaw! around, just just <laughs> throwing a five here, throwing a five there, like the only five that I feel is in this is Sam Shepard, who I deeply miss. I I felt mm. watching this film like wow, I really miss him, and I didn't expect mm. that. Yeah, yeah, I, I I liked. I think every member of the cast. Um, I thought the flight sequences were spectacular i thought they held up really well is that because Um, color because they did not look that great to me they looked like superman they looked like what superman oh really no like 1980s superman oh i thought the editing was really no like some of the Um, flight like the real flight but mm. if we're talking about the space flight oh actually uh well as i say that specifically i guess i'm thinking about some of the um test flights plane flights yeah Yeah. yeah, when he's breaking the mock the sound barriers oh yeah hitting mock two and stuff yeah um, I thought there was some really sharp editing during those sequences, um, you know, between putting us in the cockpit, showing us the plane itself, showing the people on the ground. I thought, like, the duration of all those shots was just right to um, compose the entirety of a scene and, and show us what these test flights looked like. Um, you were less enthused with the, the space flights themselves? Um, for, with the exterior shots, yes. Mm. Exterior yeah. shots were, I mean, they just dated. You know, it ah. happens. It's been 30 years or so. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just, like, I felt like I could see the fakeness a little, mm. a lot more than I wanted to. Mm. Um, and sometimes you can forgive that. Sometimes you can't. I think I was more forgiving of that with, like, the moon surface in First Man mm. than mm. probably other people were. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, to me, the, the movie just had this really nice kind of balance of um, expressing a lot of ex, uh, respect and admiration for what the pilots did, um, while at the same time um, recognizing and sort of mourning the costs of the program um, and how it um, played the funerals, how it shot the wives, how it gave us time with the wives. Um, um, I, I don't think it I want to was... talk to Jackie. <laughs> I don't remember that particular quote. You don't remember that? Um, <laughs> after, um, the guy that goes up before Scott Glenn uses, uh, uses his explosive bolt door and then denies oh, that he gotcha. did it. And then yeah. his wife doesn't get to go meet Jackie Kennedy. Oh, gotcha. And she's yeah. very upset with him. Yeah. 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 She was bummed. He, he let her down a little bit. What was she mm. like? What's Jackie like? Yeah. I thought it was very, yeah. very funny. Um, yeah, I saw some people um, not like the film so much because they thought it did over-romanticize these guys or sort of um, mythologize no, I mean, uh, it's them a as space cowboys. Piece for um, American government. I don't know that I really feel that way. Like to me, to me, there like it. It does have. Um, it is. It does sort of inspire awe in what these guys accomplished. But at the same time, like I feel skepticism in some of how this movie is put together um, oh I, I would agree you know the opening every time we cut to kind of a new goal we get an opening shot of jeff goldblum running down a hall 
saying something that everyone in the room already knows, which is a, like, it's a humorous piece. Like it's not as bad as some of the Chinese propaganda films we're seeing now, Mm. but I would still classify it in that romanticization kind of propaganda Mm. film. Like I I would put it in that propaganda genre, just like a self-critical version. I'm not saying that Um, I'm not trying to use it derogatorily, but I am, you know, propaganda is is just like, it's good press, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and now it's like something we sorely miss. Yeah. Um, I mean, the 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 time it spends with uh, Chuck Yeager's, with Chuck Yeager, uh, Sam Shepard's character, and you know the recognition it it gives to him as being you know perhaps one of you know the best pilots who doesn't get recognized. To me, this is partly a movie about the people um, whose lives are lost in in the service of these kinds of endeavors, and the people who don't get recognized out of. Um, you know, for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think to me, it's, to me, it's unfair to call it, um, I'm not saying that you're, you're being reductive, but I think to those who do reduce it to being something no more than propaganda, I think is unfair. I think um, that might be how Josh Larson characterizes the film, if I recall. Oh, he didn't like it? Uh, three and a half, but I think he does yeah. regard it as a propaganda film, kind of mm. mostly or entirely. Yeah. Which, you know, mm. I, I, I do think that there there is a lot of that to it. There's a lot of like masculine bravado, um, yeah. boys club mm-hmm. stuff. I, I I do pick up on that sense of of skepticism and that kind of the true heroes are the ones that aren't even the main characters in this film. Yeah, which are kind of the wives and Jaegers, Sam Shepard. Yeah, um, I would agree. I mean, to me, it doesn't build these guys up as great men to me these always kind of looked like boys yeah um and to me that that was a strength Tell of again the Claire. yeah it, you you see the wives together talking in the living room as they look out at the guys you know talking about planes while they they're cooking on the grill like we are the, the camera is aligned with the wives i feel like we are with the wives and saying like are like how can they be this oblivious to like what they put us through um, yeah and kind to of me, that's like... not a very propaganda like thing to do yeah that would be that would be i think that would be more of the consoling supportive wife kind of thing which some of these i I would say like at the at the end of the film i feel like uh Mm. objectively what it accomplishes is kind of a a grandiose american narrative i would agree especially with exactly how it ends it ends with that voiceover narration yeah um i would agree It, it does end triumphantly yeah. for sure and once agree. again in juxtaposition Boom. to <laughs> the uh russian ceremonies which we because we're american would view it negatively mm-hmm. side by side with the american celebration ceremonies they're like mm. the fucking same and yeah. so if one is russian propaganda and one isn't yeah. prop- you know like i feel like it's a conversation mm. about propaganda that is grandiose and ends mm. up being a, a kind of a pro-American propaganda piece, but is also mm. uh, expressing the thing that maybe Russia does not have, and Saudi Arabia mm. surely doesn't have, which is freedom of press, which is also mm. illustrated by the monkeys with cameras bouncing on the fences. Yeah, yeah, I, I was, I was, amu- I was amused during some of those monkey sequences. I, I was um. amused with the journalists, and then I was like, I kind of got exhausted. 
<laughs> which I think was just great filmmaking. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm tired of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, I remember a scene where the husbands and wives are, are doing a photo shoot and all the men take one together. And the photographer says, smile, this is for America. And then all the wives get together. He says, smile, this is for Life magazine. Yeah. Um, putting those side by side, I think, is is to emphasize how they were romanticized and the and the women were for media consumption. Um, I mean, to me, it that that feels more like a like, like a critique than a championing of, oh, of the setup. I thought it was kind of critiquing like what uh, men and women respond to. Mm. Like men will act yeah. for this idea of nation and women mm. will act for this idea of um you know wellness for themselves mm. and and yeah. their family yeah uh yeah that makes sense um that was one moment that stood out um, i i also noticed that moment not in yeah. the same way but I, kind yeah. of the uh the visuals were really really um powerful to me seeing them yeah because the wives were aligned in the same spots their husbands were aligned in yeah which i, I it was just a very striking visual yeah yeah right right side really by side moved me. yeah um i i also just want to say scott glenn john glenn a, right scott glenn ed harris's character no scott glenn the actor oh got it oh god uh, okay. second guy yeah. that goes up or first guy that goes up sorry gotcha yeah uh he plays stick and daredevil mm-hmm. um dude he's always been ripped and i swear to god he's <laughs> never been younger than 40 like how old is he in this movie born that way yeah like he's kind of just always like this super lean great health but Mm. like older looking gentleman (laughs) yeah yeah he's a good actor though like i really liked him in this i liked him too yeah i liked both these guys i liked ed harris quite a bit Mm um i do kind of like uh, what does he say i said it's quite the ensemble it is it is um and yeah, as an ensemble, like I, I, I didn't know this, this like in great detail. Um, uh, I, I was kind of expecting some uh, th- this to turn more competitive than it did. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think this is a very pleasant story about um, uh, a team. Um, they're all they all have their egos and the desire to be the first and the but, best. Yeah, but but they also they also help each other. Like it, what I felt was most important to any of them is that somebody gets there mm-hmm. um even if they hope it's them personally. yeah but they're each kind of on their own paths and they each yeah. kind of defend each other yeah. i thought that a really powerful moment was when ed harris is defending his wife by not yeah. having lbj go into the house with the television yeah. crews and how they stood up with him i thought that was really yeah. really uh powerful scene yeah yeah i agree um yeah speaking of him and his wife there there was a when he gets the call that he's going to be the one to go up, um, he's there with his wife and he's staring his wife in the eye as he gets the call. And he, and he says like, John, you know, like you're going to be the first to go up. Are you ready? And he goes, yes, we are ready. Um, and there, and she, I don't think you heard me, John. Yeah. <laughs> like the confidence is in his voice as, as he stares into her eyes. Um, and, and we don't, we don't see her face. We know this is a sacrifice for her. This is, this is a, a terrifying thing from her. Um, I, 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 I could see someone interpreting it differently because of how little is kind of there in the shot, but it felt like they were were in that decision together. Yeah, it, um, it was a very... Their relationship is a really beautiful... Like, yeah. one of the most beautiful things in this film. 
I agree. It's, it's a yeah. really nice thing that I like. Uh, if one were to say it's a propaganda film, mm. this is the propaganda that I like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, I like. I don't think. I don't know that if 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 this is championing American ideals in some way, if that's what you consider a propaganda film, like I don't know that there are are that many ideals that I really disagree with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I think I, I'm okay. there, like, I want. Few, I want to. But, yeah. You know, that's just a boys at the bar talking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would still want to show my kids this to yeah. inspire awe and and show like. Um, that was a thought show, that I had. Like, I wish yeah. I, my dad would have showed me this movie when I was younger. Yeah, I I never seen it. And my my older brother I know really liked this movie. I always thought it looked boring. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would have been boring probably for us though. Probably. <clears throat> I was more into like Independence Day. That was my space movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I was a big Titan A.E. fan. Oh man, I forgot about that movie. Long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Galaxy Far Far Away. I liked that one too. Yeah. Sorry. Um. Um, another yeah. kind of really stirring moment that I remember mm-hmm. visually. Uh, I don't really know why. I, I do think the framing in this movie might be out of this worldly good. Um, is Dennis Quaid is asked, who's the best pilot, um, mm-hmm. basically? I, I don't remember the exact question, the way that it was phrased, because they'd say it a few times, but yeah. essentially the question is, who's the best pilot? Um, at, at, and it's not during the joke part earlier in the film it's kind of at the end a very serious mm. moment before he's finally launched into space for 22 rotations around the earth's um, circumference and um he almost says chuck yeager mm. yeah um and that that kind of three yeah, minute interaction was really visually powerful like yeah. he was acting really well but like what i don't know what what it is about the direction of this film or the framing or the camera yeah. but it just really evoked a deep sense of like the the earlier conversation where the pilots don't talk about other pilots and they don't talk no. about who has the right stuff and he almost broke the rule yeah. and we wanted him to break it and then when he yeah. didn't break it we were also happy yeah yeah and it kind of put me in the world and i felt like i was a mm. pilot for a little bit and mm. i really liked that yeah yeah that is a nice a nice touch to feel like you're you're a part of the the group in in sort of withholding or not withholding those those details yeah yeah um i thought he was great i was happy every time dennis quaid showed up um he's just got like a bigger smile in this movie than he's ever had somehow. he was young he didn't yeah. know about his mortality yet yeah he yeah. never had to worry about the earnings yeah reports he never had to compete with kevin costner yet yeah yeah <laughs> damn it kevin <laughs> oh no mel gibson's in on my roles too <laughs> and he can direct himself <laughs> yep this is a this is a peak this is one of my favorites of him i think um yeah i think it's a great movie well that's a three and a half hour movie that you sound like you're done yeah. talking about um yeah, yeah uh what else comes to mind for you I, stuff um probably i, I guess like the the way that they plot the um, cities that we inhabit is mm. kind of an interesting transition. I think that we're in Arizona, or perhaps it's um, like the once again the Reno Tahoe area yeah. um, of Nevada, and 
California in that desert. What, what's the desert that we're in? It's like the beginning of the film. It says what desert we're in. I don't remember. Maybe. Um, and, and just how, you know, they they start there and then they work their way down to, to Florida. Um, yeah. And I, I, it was just interesting to see the way that America is the same no matter where you go mm. and the, yeah. you know we're still inhabiting a bar we're still yeah. doing bar talk um i i yeah. also had this really weird moment where i was like are those russian spies like are those red sparrows mm. when those girls come in to seduce ed harris do you remember this oh moment? yeah yeah mm. i was just thinking of mm. j-law right then i was like oh shit these are right. russians something, something's <laughs> not right guys <laughs> um do not engage and then I guess like the other thing that I really want to just bring up before we move on is yeah. the visual effects of um, when he is breaking the sound barrier and nearly blacking out um, oh, yeah. Sam Shepard's character. Yeah. Those are really, really cool effects. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I was I was gripped by most of the flight sequences throughout the the entire movie. Um no, you had doubts about some, but I, I, I don't know. For me, I, no, I, space I felt definitely, flight. yeah, specifically the space flight tumbling end over end uh, space capsule. Mm. It, it did not look correct uh, mm. to me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it's weird sometimes when things, um, you know, as as you watch a film that's that that's this old, you, I I see the dated technology, but my affection for it kind of overrides the recognition that I have of technology having advanced yeah um like i I feel the same way about like 2001 or or star wars or something like that where you you know they're you see the miniatures but um it just feels like it's right for the context or something oh no i don't have a problem with the miniatures i had a problem Mm. with the background Mm. oh in in the way that the miniature kind of didn't seem a part of it Mm. got it like 2001 miniatures the texture absolutely work for me so yeah and I mean, we're that's about to talk about a movie that used miniatures mm. constantly. Yeah. In First yeah. Man, so I, yeah. that's not a problem. I love Interstellar, also yeah. a movie that uses miniatures. Yeah. Uh, and uses the same do. guy to make the miniatures yeah. as First yeah. Man. So no, it's not the miniatures. It's it's this yeah. unquantifiable thing where you don't feel like it's part of the same scene. No, and that I, like, yeah. um, And then I don't know. You gave us a five star review. Like, break it down yeah. for the people. Give it to them. What's so great? Uh, I, I, I love America. <laughs> it's definitely not. It's definitely not an I love America thing. It, it doesn't leave me with any sort of feeling of, of, of pride to be an American. Like if if that is a measure of success for a propaganda film, then I think this then I think this fails as a propaganda film. Like it doesn't have anything to do with my um, nationality. It's it has. Um, it's in part due to um, the fearlessness uh, that I, I believe all these guys had to do yeah. what they did every day. I feel like I'm um, proud of them as people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the the even greater fear that the wives had to experience um, every day as they not only saw their men doing this, but um, also had to watch their husbands seem kind of oblivious to what they were putting their wives through um i've i've i felt this conversation will 
probably take up you know 20 minutes of first man talk. probably in a so. way like i don't want to have the same conversation too much but i yeah. think these, we'll these films succeed about, in similar ways we'll talk about this maybe more in first man yeah absolutely um uh again the, the 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 bonds and the friendships that i think do form um feel very real to me um and are you know the kind of thing that I would want to show a kid about um, not not only always trying to be the best that you can be in any field but um, supporting those around you for a common goal and working um, hard yeah to like do it, it. to me it's like a really simple teamwork narrative about mm -hmm. excellence and, and doing your best like that's it sounds very elementary but like to me like it's just a very fundamental value like you can call it American I just call it like good human yeah like um, I don't know I, I really like the opening scene when um, he's demanding $150,000 to break the sound barrier. Mm. And yeah. then they go over and they ask uh, Jaeger, and he's like, how much you got? It's like, I'm just kidding. You guys are still paying me in the Air Force, right? When do I get in? <laughs> <laughs> nice touch. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just simple and, and, and nice. And he never moves on from that $8,000 paycheck in the film. Yeah. And that was... And, and then he loses everything. Yeah. Ah, fire. I, I don't yeah. know. It, mm. It's progression and timing, I think, is really good. Yeah. Like, it, it's one of those movies that's just hard to explain. I feel like it's almost like yeah. in that cocoon vein of, like, it's just working emotionally so effectively that you don't really know how best to explain or express how it's doing the deepest sadness mm. with this really light, on its feet comedy yeah. um right we have andy kaufman constantly being cut to we have jeff goldblum providing comedic relief every time there's a new challenge or or the russians succeed yeah um the bar talk is always funny um but sometimes you know problematic in the current date and age yeah um, but then there's this deep sadness that the wives are experiencing there's um yeah. the, this competition that's very serious that that's kind of morally questionable with the military industrial yeah. complex of, of what exactly yeah. is going on during these bar conversations yeah um it, it's just a fascinating film tonally how it balances everything yeah and i think yeah. that it's runtime is what allows it to do this i agree yeah you said you watched it in a couple chunks i watched I 45 minutes last night and then i watched yeah. the other two and a half hours this morning yeah so it's kind of mm. test flight and then space flight yeah yeah i did it and i had to do it in two halves and um, I think it doesn't doesn't suffer a whole lot for it. I think no. it would be great to see it on the big screen in one sitting, but um, I feel like I was it able would. to pick up. I feel up like I need right an intermission though. It's long. It's just a lot of sitting. Like, like two thousand one has an intermission. This yeah. would need an intermission <laughs> too. I think uh, we talked about Malcolm X earlier on A Voice of an Artist, um, mm. and mm. I I think that you'd said that it's best to watch it in mm. multiple sittings because yeah. it suffered. And I think that maybe the tr the same is true of this. Like. It, it doesn't suffer if you sit it, it doesn't make it worse if you just do it in one sitting but I think it might improve it if you have more yeah. time to meditate on the point in time the characters and yeah. their slow ascension yeah yeah and um, yeah the, the progression is such that it just doesn't feel disruptive to take a break no it's yeah. a very <laughs> slowly paced film yeah yeah exactly it doesn't feel like there's some break in tension you know yeah um, so who's your favorite pilot? Chuck Yeager? Or uh, what's his name? 
Um, I really like Randy Quaid or Dennis Quaid, not Randy Quaid. He's the uh, crazy uncle in Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I, I think Randy Quaid's probably a better pilot than both of them. Right? Independence Day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, definitely. So no, I was going to say Scott Glenn or uh, Chuck Yeager. Oh, Chuck Yeager probably. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Glenn's pretty badass though. He is. It's true. <laughs> um. Well, that's the right stuff. We've got it. Yeah. You don't. Sorry. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Wait, we talked about the right stuff. That means we don't have the right stuff. Damn it. Damn it. We had one job. job. Mm. Um, shall we get to the first man, man? Your dad's gone to the moon. Neil Armstrong was over it. We have a goal for main engine start. The entire world's watching. Nine. Do you question whether the program's worth the cost? Seven. In money and in lives? Do you think you're coming back? First or man. Shall we reload? Want to reload? Are you good? I'm good for first man. All right. First man. Man. We're okay on this film. Yeah, just a loose five with the heart. Boom. Any Loved hesitation? Uh, yeah. Do I write six in the byline Ooh. of the synopsis? And then Try I was to like, hack it. No, because that would mean it's better than Hereditary, and that would mean it's mm. better than Hostiles, and I don't know if it is yet. Gotta let it simmer sometimes. Gotta see it again. Yeah. I, I still gotta see Hostiles again and Hereditary again. So. Yeah. That's rewatch. It's rewatch season, and it's I know award it's compounding season. It, it's getting tough. It's tough. Think about the new releases that you have yet to see that you will also have to rewatch. I don't. Want don't think to. about it. Don't think about it. It's a bad idea. I don't think I'm going to have to rewatch High Life. So ah. Willem Dafoe's At Eternity's Gates kind of the only one that we just his performance. You yeah. kind of got to get Red Sparrow. I'd need to do again. Shit lots to do clear your calendar i'm quitting everything that i do and i'm only watching films moving forward you, you I like that plan put in your two weeks and tell them you're not coming in mm. for the next two weeks either <laughs> too much to watch that happens or suffers um yeah first man i love this movie quite a bit it's a fucking perfect movie dude. perfect my mm. opening two words mm. i think can sum it up hmm. visual jazz mic drop boom care to elaborate no i'm good i feel good cool. about it should we close i'm done all right <laughs> yeah but did you uh, want to say anything about the movie or we're good no no no, no. yeah we're done cool. um scoot, scoot, scoot. yeah this was um as um, this movie it was it, it, the, the, the technical aspects of this movie were as impressive as I expected I think um, I was not expecting um, it to be as emotional as it was for me um, having seen some of emotional oh really oh interesting um, yeah I mean just some of the early footage and kind of knowing what Chazelle can kind of do with the camera and, and what his direction is like I didn't have much doubt in, in the the craft of the movie and how it would look um 
and how it would be executed technically, um, but I think in how he sort of attached um, an, an emotional backbone to it did very much catch me off guard. I was expecting something much more conventional than what we got. I think that I had heard um, since the festival circuits that it was deeply moving mm. emotionally. And so I yeah. was kind of setting myself up to be broken. And mm. I never quite broke. I will say I cried four times. Mm. I never broke. But I did mm. I did like have tears in my eyes. And mm. it would not like pouring, but like I did have like tears where I'd have to like wipe them or like mm. they'd like one or two would go down my cheek, but I never bawled. Yeah, I don't think I've bawled yeah. at a film yet this year. I think Manchester mm. might be like the last film that got me to bawl. Um, and my then, heart like, was broken. That oh was God. <laughs> and then uh, you're pretty good at your Michelle impression, dude. I've done just done that too many times. <laughs> um, and then like Mother got me to cry, just like at beauty mm. and like overwhelmingness, mm. but like yeah. in Different harshness. Kind of but like yeah, yeah. It very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I almost felt that urge, like, after the film, kind of... Dilu. That is not a good sign. (laughs) Dilu. You have a problem. (laughs) And we're rolling. What were we talking about? Uh, Claire Foy needing to get her uh, freckles checked out because Miranda July is worried about her. Needing to grow her hair out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, we were talking about it being emotional. Um, I definitely think... Some of the emotion hit me just uh, in that final scene and in the credits. I have a fruit fly on me? No, you said hit you. Ah, uh, I thought I had a fruit fly. You said hit me, <laughs> so I hit you. That makes sense. <laughs> I, <just> not helping. <laughs> Anyways, it's emotional. We'll start there. Um, some of that wallop, I think, came to me in that final scene and, and, and in hindsight, and that's, had, that's very much made me want to revisit it. Mm. Um, from what um, I gathered from your review, it sounds like most of what the most of the emotion came from uh, Neil's relationship with his wife. Is that correct, or is that unfair? That's half true. Okay, you had mentioned love, but I didn't know if that specifically meant um, romantic love. Like, were you attract? Were, were you no, particularly it means, it means drawn? Both. Something more broad. I didn't know uh, if it was yes. like the it, family. The daughter, I, I, the wife, specifically. So I, w- I would or... characterize the love as mm. the idea of love at the end of Maniac. Mm. Okay. Where you don't know if it's platonic or sexual. So I mean mm. sexual love, I mm. mean platonic love, and I mean everything in between. I mean I mean the love that he has mm. for his sons that he can't express correctly because he's broken by the mm. death of Karen. Mm. I mean the love he has for Karen. I mean what the moon means to him because of Karen. Mm. I mean... Uh, the love that he has for Claire Foy's character that he doesn't know how mm. to express because he's broken and, and doesn't know how to communicate and he's pouring all of this energy and hard work into this goal. Yeah. And I also mean this love that he doesn't know how to reciprocate to his friends. Yeah. Um, all of it. Yeah. This love for his his fellow man. That, yeah. Um, the reason why he went up there um, is, I, to me, what translated this part of the reason he went up there is to do what every single man had died to, mm. to get the ability to do the only mm. reason he can go is because all of them died and if he doesn't go then all of them died in vain yeah and that it's that respect and love mm. and i think that it's more love than respect mm. and i think yeah. that maybe his public image is more about respect and i think this film communicated that it was love mm. yeah 
yeah i wouldn't disagree with with any of that i think uh the emotion in all those uh various relationships comes through quite clearly um i, I was perhaps just most most drawn to the I- idea of him specifically grieving um the loss of his daughter um and i think that's part of what i would look for um more in my second viewing is um mm, i would how turn he... into it the whole time this viewing him with his daughter mm-hmm. oh yeah that's what i mean that's what i was picking up the whole time but oh, okay. i would i would return to to get more out of his relationship with his wife actually um okay. if, not that not that i disliked it but i felt like there was probably more there than i than i kind of got out of it um, gotcha. the first time around i was at this um, like crazy lucid stage because mm. i started watching it at 11 after i'd watched ah. el royale mm. so i was like in this if i stay up late I get like the second wind, like a runner's high, where I'm like mm. crazy tuned in. It's like you just bolted in your seat, like yeah. <laughs> really, like as soon as it's after ten, I'm no longer tired. I'm just like dialed in and ready to go. And I'm just like, I was it like it was like I just had an espresso, and I was Wired. just dialed into mm-hmm. this movie like 100. percent Like I, yeah. I, I feel like I saw everything. Yeah. <laughs> It's a great viewing experience. <laughs> it is. I, I felt like I didn't need to see it again, mm. which means that I can just go see it again and relax. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, one idea that keep that kept kind of coming to mind is after you know learning that he not only lost his daughter but that he lost her to to, to cancer, something that he was trying to um, f- find a solution to that he was unable to do. This idea of kind of control. Um, being able to kind of control the things in your life and what he ultimately, you know, pursues is the most difficult task, you know, a man could possibly think of. But in an how does he to... do that and why does he do that? Or so mm-hmm. visually and, and thematically appealing, right? Yeah. Because he's mm-hmm. physically doing the same repetitions that he was doing to help her solve it. Yeah. And he's doing yeah. it because Daddy yeah. Moon. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck, dude, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, they have the, the JFK quote in there about, um, you know, we choose to go to the moon and it's like, you know, why do we choose to do something so hard, so expensive? We choose to go because it's hard to me. It's like, yeah, that moment actually made me well up. Yeah. to, To me, I don't know that it was like whether or not inspiring is the right word or not. Like, I don't know that I was inspired by that. It was meant to be inspiring at the time, but like, to me, there is this like really, tragic irony in it because like the most difficult thing he has to do in this movie is something he didn't choose for himself it's the loss of his daughter it's like it's something um uh that there that there is no easy solution for yeah um uh I, i'd say yeah. that um it no longer is inspiring it's overwhelming yeah and i think that that's also how it characterize the loss of his daughter it's overwhelming yeah. the picture yeah i i couldn't look at the picture and not see it kind yeah. of constantly yeah yeah i mean just I think because that, of how uh, gosling wears that on his eyes yeah yeah it's his performance and 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 just i think the, the visual uh language of the film like i think it's a super dark film like even on mm-hmm. earth like most of these scenes are like are are pretty characterized by just by darkness and blacks and and, and a, it makes really the moon really muted bright. Yeah, really, um, a really muted color scheme that, to me, sort of just lets this somber air hang over the film. Mm-hmm. It's not, 
it's not a rousing space epic, you know, no. about hurrah, hurrah, let's get to the moon. This is not um, a propaganda film. No, not by any means. Um, which I think is so silly, you know, to hear the complaints about not seeing the American flag planted on the moon. Um, I don't know if you've read I've much of those criticisms. I've heard that there's complaints. I think that on film spotting they brought that up. Oh, did they? Just, like, they criticized that too? No, they brought up that there's complaints. Ah, got it. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to tune that out. I'm good. I don't... I think like, you, yeah. I, I saw, I think, six posts in a row like in my Google News feed of like, first man's a right-wing propaganda piece. First man's a hmm. pro-Trump. And I was just like, guys, art isn't just a thing. Yeah, I think anybody who did have a problem with the flag not being shown was was missing the point entirely. Or being extremely reductive of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, gosh, it's kind of hard to, to talk about the technical precision in, in great detail. I mean, I guess we can kind of talk about the pieces, but I, but we, I think it's kind of immaculate. We can bring up films to yeah. point it out. That's, like, the only yeah. way I... You know, like Dunkirk mm-hmm. and, and Inception, yeah. it's like both of those like put together, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and you know, you feel the homages at the same time. This was the only time I've wondered to myself, like, is it just impossible to make a space movie and not, oh, like, have an homage to two thousand one? Because it's like, how can you put us an astronaut in a cockpit with lights and not have there be a reflection? It's gonna happen. The, the homages yeah. are going to be there no matter I, what. I, I think don't know. that the stylistic know. flourishes at the end, though, are uh, during the final ascent to the moon. Mm. Are, like, there's no mistaking it. Mm. Yeah. It's absolutely 2001. As they're descending to the moon, you mean? Or uh, leaving I, I Earth? I don't recall exactly what they're doing, but it's their final voyage to the moon. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And they've... De- it's either as they depart earth as they uh leave the main spacecraft and take the pod to the moon mm. or it's all of that mm. where we are seeing just the whole it's the cover of the film we're seeing like the yeah. whole right side i think of his helmet just lit up with these lights that i i think i read are neon which mm. i believe yeah. is the same yeah. exact light structure that um happens at the end of 2001 a space odyssey yeah. when he's going through the reality port portal kind of to future him yeah um, and yeah i think that the transition that happens when the emotional transition that we witness from him going to the moon what happens mm. with him depositing the bracelet yeah um, and the way that we see the moon depicted with the theremin playing as if it is mm. the monolith uh from yeah. 2001 I, I don't think there's a mistake in it like yeah this is an homage interstellar was an homage there's yeah. plenty of space movies I can point to that aren't homages to 2001. We just watched a trailer yeah. for one, High Life. I'd, I'd point oh, to but Life. I, th- I think people in, will undoubtedly pick out something in that movie and say it's an homage to 2001. Sure, I but mean, I, I mean, think, this like, one, I could just space, go on and on. I think space movies like can only look like so many things. Um, to me, I think... What about Star I think Wars? sometimes there's criticism that's... That, that like calls out homages and I don't know like it's that insightful of criticism if it's like the visual references are kind of necessitated by the movie I don't know you kind of see what I'm saying um I would like I, 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 I could show you but... the exact same the shots in um 
the right stuff of you know reflective surfaces off the astronauts helmets i'm not saying i'll like them um yeah the the ones in the right stuff are a little bit more subdued yeah than the final shot yeah. like i agree that there's shots the entire time yeah. uh where there's lights in the helmet but that final shot like i'll pull it up for you right now like that cover um image of which guy oh maybe it isn't as much as i thought it was oh yeah but yeah. if i remember correctly it's the other side of his helmet is just decorated i think i know which one you're talking about though at the end it's one of the other posters basically yeah yeah um I'll just, I guess, go piece by piece through what I think is 2001, and you tell me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I well, no, no, no. I don't want to do that because I don't. I'm not saying you were wrong. I just, I, I, uh, I, I just think there's something to be said about a, a uh, movies of a certain kind having certain um, elements embedded in the genre that it's um, a, a bit too easy just to call them constantly constantly be calling them homages to the first one because there are only so many ways to show a space helmet i agree but i mean he's on the record saying that he did homage 2001 then so be it that's fine i mean okay i'll leave it at that uh, all right mm-hmm. you don't want to get into the the depths of this well you can if, if you if you have specific homages that's fine. well i yeah. i just i thought it i think it's an interesting conversation if you Got don't it. think that they're homages to talk about why i'm seeing what you're not which so the the lights reflected off of gosling's helmet near the end number one structurally Mm. Mm -hmm. number two the catharsis that he gets on the moon the catharsis Mm. or the catharsis old him gets before Mm. his death um in 2001 Mm -hmm. um i I think to to me it just translates um Mm. metaphorically does it not to you um that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that's just interesting. I, I interpreted the ending of this movie a little differently. Um, to me, it ends on a very, very sad note. Like, I don't, it's weird. I, I don't know that I felt catharsis on that scene. To me, it's it's a scene of letting go. I, I know there's, there's nothing like, I, I still find it deeply, deeply sorrowful. Um, I, I agree, and I, I think that, that that's how 2001 is, too. Oh, really? Okay, that's just a difference, then. In, yeah. in 2001, I, I thought that it was deeply sad as well, the ending, because, like, the old man's finding kind of a solace in his young mm. self witnessing him. Right? Yeah. And then it, it's depressing as hell after mm. that, um, j- just, like, thinking about it deeper. Mm. And I yeah. think the same is true of First Man. Like, it's really sweet that he did this for his daughter. Mm. and he yeah. completed it and that that's done and he did it mm. he, like he did it he did the math in the books in the office and he yeah. did this thing he couldn't save her but he could do this thing yeah um and he got to take the bracelet out of the drawer and put it on the moon for her yeah but then he still has everything else to do and, and mm. to live through and that's just as sad as 2001's ending is to me yeah like it's the same tone of sad if that makes sense yeah yeah that's how i felt about it like it's the same tone and i i felt it i guess yeah like in my chest um and then the docking sequence Mm. yep you vibing with me there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay the docking sequence okay um how about the ai concern during the docking sequence it's very Uh, very brief 
don't know that I remember that. Um, so the or, reason remember... why they begin spiraling, they think, is because of uh, the computer system of the... Oh, of the other, yeah. the other ship that they are attached to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then I thought the moon was a monolith. Mm. Or is the monolith, you know. Yeah. Of the film. Yeah. Um, and then that last shot of Foy reflected off the glass within Gosling's head. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Those, that's just kind of like images. the main yeah. um, homages that I got of 2001 yeah. within the film. And I yeah. think it's its own film, but I, I I just think that it, since Interstellar, nothing's homage 2001 and had its own identity as strongly. Yeah. Like, it's not like I think this is 2000, trying to be 2001. It's like, yeah. I think it's its own independent film that yeah. homages this film wonderfully. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, some of these are, are much more specific than what I was alluding to. I mean, I think, I think there are there are certain simplistic gestures that um, to me aren't terribly interesting. That um, I think people sometimes you replace for for good criticism. To me, this is good criticism. These okay. are interesting connections. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not criticizing <laughs> this at all. Um, but when I don't know, I just I just think that there are certain connections that to me feel feel too easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose yeah, I mean, there might be some stuff that I didn't pick up on mm-hmm. now that I think about it. Like mm-hmm. uh, the 2001 sequence where he's still interacting with people before they're mm-hmm. independently on the ship. That w- that might be interesting to just watch that part of yeah. 2001 again and then before you go see First Man, not necessarily yeah. look for it, but just kind of draw it out. Yeah, yeah. Just because you don't know what he hid in there. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I trust Chazelle to hide some gems. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Um, I really liked the graininess of the cinematography Ooh, yeah. that it was lovely um uh i know some people i saw some writing characterize it as nostalgic to me it just sort of conjured the feeling of a memory and this is very much about the memory of his daughter to me that was just a perfectly uh a perfect harmony between um emotion and form mm-hmm. um this is about him remembering her and this feels like something that's being remembered how about just like fit. the uh, the fact that the moon is a dead rock? Mm. Oh God! Don't even say that. Like when they, <laughs> dude, when they get there, why did you say that? <laughs> when they get there, and he turns around and they look at Earth, and Earth is all beautiful, mm. like the moon normally is. Yeah, but it looks like alive. Yeah, and like he left all that life to come do this for yeah. death, like on this dead rock. Yeah, I was like, oh, mm. this is sad. Yeah, yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. visually, like, this mm-hmm. is a masterful filmmaker visually yeah. making me feel the themes of the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think he's mm-hmm. I think he's here to stay. Oh, I think I'm, he'll be around. I'm going out on a limb. <laughs> Bold, man. Want to put money on that? <laughs> I do. I think he's going to be an Oscar Third director. movie, third Oscar. I Jeez. think he's going to win an uh, Oscar for directing last year. Wait, no, two years ago. <laughs> Shit, I already <laughs> lost the bet. <laughs> Coming strong out of the gates. Um, yeah, like I said, I, uh, I really, really liked Claire Foy. I just think I would um, just watch their relationship even more closely and watch her more closely on the second go-round. I recommend um, it. Yeah, I was um, very much in his headspace on oh, okay. this viewing. Um, I I couldn't get there. Interesting. I couldn't mm. get there. I every part of him that I could understand was from Karen, mm. the boys, or or Claire's character, or like 
mm. what the men were were saying about him like it was never mm. him that i was getting that's interesting um i like hearing that because i got less out of some of those things but if maybe like that's only going to reinforce what i did see in him yeah um to me it was a similar feeling to what i got from casey affleck in manchester by the sea um, I once again was day. about to say ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Just a ghost of a man. Uh, yeah. Again, this Probably idea of like, us. of, of uh, paternal grief, um, mm-hmm. a father wanting to, to keep his children safe, keep things under control, you know, be able to um, protect them and, and ha- to have been unable to do so. Yeah. Just um, want to walk down, get a 48 pack of beer from the, gas store and, and come back and not have oh, your children burned to death. <laughs> happy episode amazon what have you done yeah um like one sort of like question i was leaving myself with was whether or not it sort of does enough with claire foy's character um um in sort of just enriching this kind of emotional experience but um I think that then you have to ask the same question of Ryan Gosling's character. And I think that if mm. both have the same lack, then there's not some sort of a problem. I think that mm. it's, you know, it's on purpose. And I think that it is on purpose. And I think that mm. maybe what we see is missing in Claire Foy mm. is just what we see missing in Gosling as well. And I think that mm. what she has is everything that Gosling lacks what Gosling mm. has is everything she lacks mm. yeah that's interesting um I mean I kind of forget like the the, the gap in years to be honest you know this I think it starts in 1961 like, and goes until um 69 right yeah so it's been eight years since the death of his daughter uh right? eight, seven or long, eight. yeah it's been a long time obviously I mean like, we start in 61 I don't know if it takes till 62 for her to die yeah yeah I mean I I could um, sort of frame it in my head as um, while it's focusing on his grief and you know despite the fact that she lost a kid too it's entirely possible that he's particularly struggling with it um, as, oh I as, think that um, it's just you I, I think that based on what you said you didn't interact with her performance as much Yeah. I think that when you go back and watch it you will change your mind Ah. Uh, who's smoking the whole time Oh, it's Claire. Who Boy. gets progressively mm-hmm. sicker and sicker and sicker, looking visually? Yeah. Oh, it's Claire Boy. After the yeah. death of their daughter, um, yeah, it, she's just as much equally a part of this emotional loss. Mm. Um, yeah, and she's the one talking about it. Yeah, she's the one that brings it up to begin with. Yeah, she's the one that voices that it hurts her. Mm. She's yeah. the only one, right? Yeah, like we we get these yeah. visual moments of grandeur, courtesy of Chazelle, of yeah. Gosling reaching for catharsis yeah on the moon depositing that but she's literally in the back of a car talking about her anguish yeah so i i think that it's um i think that they're very much on equal grounds yeah that's their grief um did you like the final scene i assume you did considering i I think it's probably top three scene for me this year yeah. Um, we're specifically talking about um, when they're each looking at each other through the glass. Neither yeah. has said a word. He has yeah. kissed his fingertips, um, touched into the glass. She's touched her fingers to the glass. 
yeah. and then we kind of have a pan back or a zoom out rather and claire is looking at him and her reflection of her face is literally within his skull yeah yeah, yeah. that's a fucking great scene dude that was yeah. deacon's level 20 blade runner 2049 glasswork it was yeah. just great to look at yeah yeah uh for me it would have played very differently had um he returned and they you know had embraced and smiled or something like that to me they look as as down as this film has felt yeah Yeah. um to think about manchester by the sea again it reminded me of that scene in uh manchester by the sea when why do you keep doing this to me because it's sad because we (laughs) talked about michelle williams two hours ago i can't stop won't stop um uh and he uh i think his name's lee you know he says Uh to lucas hedges just like he it's almost like he's whispering it he's like i just can't beat it like i just can't you know come back here when he's trying to get a job yeah yeah, like i could see somebody saying you know he's he's somehow managed to let go to me that doesn't really it doesn't really feel right but it does feel like there's a really strong connection between them in that scene um and their um their mourning together there whereas previously he had been so closed off and there's this glimmer of hope in manchester by the sea that like lee might finally let people back into his life and sort of um forgive himself Um, i didn't get that at the end of manchester i got like totally he says like you know maybe you can come visit me once in a while yeah and Uh, he's gonna get a bed yeah for him yeah oh i absolutely believe that he'll let lucas hedges into his life yeah but you say people and i just Mm. i question whether or not people or person yeah i i think i i that's all that's fair i mean it is a it is a somber film i i do see a sliver of hope in that movie and i see the possibility of him um opening his life up again in the same way that i see neil opening it up to his wife in that scene with mm-hmm. just that really small gesture that's that's more devastating than i mean a, that's a small a gesture in the the currency of gestures of humanity but that's a huge gesture in yeah. the currency of neil making a gesture within the film yeah yeah it's one small gesture for man one I don't know giant gesture <laughs> for neil kind yes <laughs> i'll finish what you start yeah it's great stuff um how about the else? moments of loss of the wives mm. of astronauts within this film mm. the neighborhood uh, yeah. in which they're residing yeah uh you're thinking about like claire Foy, um going over to that uh, woman blonde whose wife trunk is open after she's trunk. lost her husband oh god um taking care of her while her neighbors mm-hmm. look at her um like she's a lunatic and and yeah. she's the only one out there to help them yeah um, and that's just how we always see claire she's the one yeah. making things go and handling things and you know yeah. i'm gonna stay at this funeral and help and you know that's when yeah. we see neil breaking down and that's when we see yeah. his lack of um openness with her hurting him so yeah. we know that he matter that she matters to him in these yeah. small moments um yeah i just uh. keep getting myself worked up <laughs> anything happy we can and, talk and about. that's why I, that is why i call this visual jazz because jazz mm. is sad it's literally blues right mm. and this yeah. movie is the blues like it mm. is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. When you say jazz, like I'm thinking of like the lonely trumpet. 
player or something like that. That's oh, what I think. I, really? I'm, yeah, I mean, I th- it, it, <clears throat> the word jazz is interesting in, in association with this movie because when I think of jazz, sometimes I think of improvisation, and this movie doesn't feel improvisational to me. Um, it feels somber, and I can think of a somber tone in jazz, absolutely. So I there's think a there's, tonal thing. I think that there's sure. visual riffing. Oh, when we're no. um, within the rocket, and mm. what we focus on, the way that we're depicted buttons while it's shaking, and we're getting the shaking cam that's giving us this mm. close-up of buttons and the rivets, and how mm. shaky this whole thing looks, yeah. that is jazz. Dude. Oh, that is jazz. Yeah. That got me all jazzed up. Dude. Woo! Woo! <laughs> you want to go see First Man? Got two I squeezed it in. Uh, the music itself. Do you like the music? I honestly didn't notice it. No? I mean, like, the OST or the music in the film? Yeah, the, the soundtrack. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I, I, the I responded well to the, like, yeah. the, the atmosphere. So, yeah. Uh, or atmosphere music I, I thought you meant like music in the film ah, I was yeah. like I don't remember music yeah like I remember a soundtrack yeah but I don't yeah. remember like music yeah yeah um same guy who did the you know La La Land scores but I thought he tailored it just right for a, a very different mood um tailored it talent. does that mean succeeded could we say I tailored it yeah I think so I like eh. it <laughs> no it, it really did fit it 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 mm. um, it doesn't work without that. Yeah, that atmosphere um, sounds are when I would swell with emotion and weep. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it does come, but like a, there, there's plenty of this movie that's just quiet. Like there's there's a lot of silence. Um, and I, you know I think that sort of with the very dark color schemes just sort of manifests itself as sorrow, mm-hmm. right? Um. You f- you feel it. Morning. You, uh, you the whole f- film's kind of in morning. Yeah. Um, you you feel it before you think about it in a way. Um, that's where you know the the filmmaking is really speaking for itself. Um, what do you think about the opening scene? Uh, opening sequence is him um, in the cockpit bouncing off the atmosphere. Great scene. I was in immediately. You? I, I, dude, it was like the opening of Dunkirk. I was like, "Take me there." Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of disappointed that Tom Hardy wasn't in any of these scenes. I'm gonna be honest, he would have fit. Feel right like in. you just toss a, a little um, oxygen mask on him, mm. put him in one of those airplanes just for just for you know a minute. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, it's my cross to bear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I some saw some uh, writing on you know this idea of kind of like barriers within the film mm-hmm. that in this opening scene of him being of him struggling to break through and the grief itself being this this impenetrable barrier ahead of um, on the other side is the rest of his life. Um, I think that's a powerful a great idea, metaphor, yeah. right? Yeah. I did. I did not. Th- that was not my idea. That is just something out there. I think it was New York Times um, that I thought was that was a lovely idea. Michael Clausen's um, original idea. He's a, false. A visual genius. Do not and, sue. And drink interpret... in the movies. We are broke. <laughs> we don't have money. <laughs> he can interpret stories masterfully. Um, what did you think of the ensemble? 
I think I liked most of these people. Um, I liked Corey Stoll mm-hmm. as Buzz. My um, boy. Done I, killing yeah. vampires. Trying yeah. to get to space. I thought some of the other astronauts we lose were, were just devastating and, and uh, just great supporting characters. You, you miss their presence even though we aren't with them for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, Christopher Abbott is one of them. Um, he's an actor I've really liked in a couple other movies, um, which made him hard to lose. Well, do you know when his death came? Hmm? Do you know when his death came? Uh, At night. But in oh, hey, wait, Christopher Abbott all connected. Edward <laughs> Schultz, the real director. Yes. Whoa. Um. God, not to just keep mentioning just devastating scenes, but the uh, Michelle the, cock- <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the cockpit fire and subsequent explosion. Oh, God. When the wire goes and, oh. they, and they can't hear him. Yeah. And, uh, you can't navigate Ugh. the headset with three buildings. How are you going to get a man in space? And Ugh. then the immediate scene after that is Claire struggling to light her cigarette. Oh yeah, some sharp cuts. How about deep cuts? Uh, do you remember like that ashtray just littered with cigarettes? I do. I recall thinking that is way too many cigarettes. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> thinking, Claire, we need you to stay around. I know mm-hmm. you're not the queen anymore, but we need you. Mm-hmm. You're the new girl. I know you're not in a spider's healthy. web right now, but we need mm-hmm. you to go do more girl things. Not good. Like not kill good other people. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, and Ryan Gosling, I, I thought his performance was was perfect. Um, I I thought he was casted perfectly. Like yeah. this is what he does. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think um, that La La Land, you know, it, he wasn't bad, but you they didn't play into his strengths. Like um, Refn had mm. identified his strengths to be. Mm. Yeah, I think if if minimalism is a thing in performance i think he is the a strong uh representative of that type <laughs> um do you think that he should have talked more no definitely not okay you no but i i have heard people complaining that he should have talked more but i mm. that's yeah. with where i'm at with him on kind of an uh performance continuum his strength is minimalism and comedy and i mm. i don't think that this plays into his ability at speech craft yeah yeah um, <clears throat> i remember people saying the same thing about casey affleck and manchester by the sea i remember people saying the same thing about uh the three actors who play chiron and moonlight um you know i do think to write characters that are particularly not outspoken um does make it difficult for some people to connect like we are human we 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 do connect in part through words like i don't know that i really um i I would really criticize anybody who who has problems kind of connecting with a wordless performance i do think that it just i i feel like claire foy does enough talking and enough she's a raw nerve to the point where i think you don't you don't need to connect to Neil. You can connect to Claire and understand mm. who Neil is through his wife. Yeah. Like in this mm. film, she's not Claire. She's his. She's Neil Armstrong's wife. She's mm. basically Neil. She's half of Neil Armstrong to me. Yeah. Like, you can't know Neil without knowing Claire in this film. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and she has uh, plenty of dialogue. Yeah. So. I mean, she's got the best supporting actress performance of the year. Think so? I Is that your so. favorite? No, those are facts. I haven't seen yeah. the rest of what's to come, but I've seen what's out, mm. and yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. Michelle Williams and Life of the Party can go down the list. Yeah. Supporting actors, actors and actresses categories are so weird because sometimes they just they do like category fraud and somebody who's obviously a lead just gets put in the supporting category because they think they have a better chance there. Yeah, it's, it's always gonna, hard to judge. It's going to be real weird what happens with Ocean's 8. Oh yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. I have. Real ensemble. We got Sandra. Sandra. We got mm. Kate. We got Sarah Paulson. Mm. It's going to be interesting how those uh, stack down. I don't know. The movie was reviewed well enough to, to have legs to get all the way to the Oscars. I don't know. I love Sarah. Oh, I love Sarah <laughs> Paulson, too. I want her to be nominated for that one episode of American Horror Story. I do, too. But the Golden Globes have already come, so we'll have to wait another year. Mm. Yeah. Um. You know, I also kind of thought about Hereditary when I was watching this movie, just as two movies about grief and two movies that are using um, g- genre, and their their respective genres in uh, refreshing ways to um, explore and comment on grief. Um, I think one's more specifically um, focused on maternal grief and one's more paternal grief. Um, just That's why movies like these are great is when they they use the the kind of conventions that we're used to to um, elicit feelings that we aren't expecting. I I agree, but that's mm. really interesting because I I think the the film is made as a paternal grief film. Yeah, but I think the mm. character of Claire Foy is just so loud and raw mm. in the context of the film. The yeah. maternal grief I I think is kind of the loudest part of the film, mm. other than the yeah. rockets. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that. Um, I think I did. No, I'm, I'm not saying yeah. I disagree. I'm just yeah. that kind of opened it up to me in a different yeah. way, where it's like, yeah. that's a really interesting thing to think about because mm-hmm. I, I agree. It, it's a paternal film, yeah. in its basic existence, right? It's it's yeah. about a man, yeah, going to the moon made by a man, yeah. But the loudest, most raw nerve character is is a female, yeah. and I don't mean loud in a bad way. I mean loud like she talks the most she's the most emotionally available we understand who we are emotionally within the world only because of her speech and her ability at speechcraft yeah and performance yeah so it's it's just a really interesting thing to think about yeah yeah um it kind of you know i would say gabriel Byrne in my memory kind of does the opposite like the same thing yeah i kind of thought about that yeah um in hereditary yeah he maybe has even less Time and I, I do think the genre does sort of kick in a little harder in Hereditary um, in the in the second half, um, and Gabriel Byrne suffers an unfortunate fate. Yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes of the year. I, I have it labeled as "Burn the Book." B Y R N E. Alliteration yeah. at its best. But yeah, I, I I agree. I think there I think that is it. There is a fun sort of symmetry there yeah um yeah kind of a yin yang thing going on yeah so hereditary is a five from you this is a four and a half talking about it are you you comfortable with your four and a half yeah just because i want to see it again yeah 
so that you sure. can raise it back. Okay. Yeah. So hereditary. I kind of gave hereditary the same, you know, time. Okay. You didn't. I thought you gave it a five, out the gate. Four. Okay. Okay. So you get you moved it it up. Interesting. Yeah. On the second viewing of Hereditary, on the first viewing, I was terrified, absolutely terrified. The second viewing, I I felt like I was more likely to cry, for the first half of the movie. Okay. Um, uh, Like this because you have dread knowing what's to come and what's happening. It's a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, the second time around that burial scene and just the the heaving of her crying and like the devastation she feels only to know what's coming like it's just it's just brutal (laughs) and uh that helped bump it up just knowing that um it only improves it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel tired the second time no she's about to crawl on the ceiling so when a woman gets better exactly (laughs) about to bang her head up against it um so is is hereditary now your favorite film of the year i also haven't seen first reformed a second time yet so okay you know so, I, I have this benefit right now of knowing that hereditary um improved on two that just means a lot but um all three of these are right up there they're kind of jockeying I, for the I, top I was about spots. to say so top your top three right now is first reformed hereditary and first man no doubt the order there just tbd yeah. And it'll be really funny if First Man and First Reformed are in second and third. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Trying to jockey for first with your names. Yeah. Yeah. I even thought about, like, if there was a connection between First Reformed, uh, uh, you know, he loses a son in that. And I think it's a defining, um, tr- you know, def- it's it's one of his defining traits. But I didn't go there. I didn't feel like it was quite yeah, strong enough. I, I, I would say that there's more to find in, like, Mother again. Mm. and that like that'd be an interesting pairing of the films yeah yeah what Um, about you oh it's still what it's always been first man didn't uh shake things up yeah but i think my top three is still the same Uh, hereditary hostiles unsane gotcha for feature films yeah 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 i don't think well i think that i might have to rewatch hostiles and move it down I, I don't mm. think I can move on saying down, but I need to move mm. first man up. <laughs> <laughs> they they made it to the moon, and they're not going to make it to number three on your list? <laughs> I See, the thing is, if I watch Hereditary again, and it's not as good as I remembered it to be, mm. then I've seen Unsane four times. <laughs> You're pretty confident so, in that one. I'm confident in Claire. I got Claire confidence. If you somehow were like, no, it's a three, I would think you were a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't think that. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting if I love the girl in the spider's web. Yeah. If, if I could somehow get all three of those in my top three. Claire, yeah. Claire, Claire. Well, man, with that one, I'm very I'm very nervous about suffering trailer fatigue. God, I just feel like I've seen oh, that trailer every time the trailer oh. comes on in the cinema, I have my phone I'll, I've, I've at the, at at my the phone. smallest, um, or the lowest brightness, and I'll just look at it. That's exactly what I've been trying to do. Yeah. Gotta and then I'll, about it. I'll, I always look up before, um, what's his name, um, from Atlanta, and he's gonna be in Widows, I think. Um, homie from, sorry to bother you. Yeah. I know who you're talking about, um. Every, every time he starts shooting the sniper Davis. rifle. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, I, I look up yeah. and I'm like, yeah, light him up, light him up. <laughs> <laughs> then you're into it. Yeah. 
<laughs> I can't not look at that scene. Or when she pushes the statue to oh, string yeah. him up. Yeah. Good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah. Are you not the girl who hurts men who hurt women? <sighs> good oh, stuff. I love it. I love it. That'll be good. To be paired <laughs> with uh, the girl with the dragon statue. Ah, that'd be fun. The American or uh, foreign version? American? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have time for Millennium. I don't. I don't. I've seen it. I don't watch the separate. Um, I don't watch Millennium in its separate pieces mm. because it was not intended really to be. It, it's kind of intended as a as a complete watch. Complete kind of like watch, we, yeah. it's like watching two episodes of Mosaic. Like it doesn't mm. make sense if you don't watch it together to me. Yeah. But yeah, I, I. I what I was thinking while I was watching this actually, uh, First Man, was how great would it be if we could get Claire Rooney. Mm and knew me oh. all in a movie together like a murder movie say that 10 times fast uh claire rooney knew me i'm done, yeah. I'm, done. I'm calling it quits this is a, a beautiful film i think we're gonna just have a separate podcast for it mm-hmm. moving forward uh, we'll, first just, man we'll just cry I'll just keep bringing up <laughs> you're like it's not even relevant anymore <laughs> what about Michelle Williams's funny voice life of the party you start crying from laughter it's gonna be emotional Michelle it's gonna be Williams, worth it she'll make you cry we're gonna get like a uh, Kleenex sponsor something like that <laughs> tune in soon for tissues for you um I guess yeah. we should get to forever. I, I don't have much more to, to mm. heap love upon First Man, I, unless you do. Mm. Um, do you have any homages you want to give the listener, or are you an anti-homager? No, not an anti-homager. <clears throat> um, no, no, no particular visual homages that, um, uh, that came to mind. I was thinking more about some of these emotional connections to mm-hmm. some of these other films that came to mind. Which is interesting, considering it is such a visually powered film. That yeah. the visuals make you think about emotions more than other visuals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's kind of, you know, that's that's what makes I think Jenkins Jenkins, and mm. that's maybe what makes Chazelle Chazelle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also really want to watch Whiplash again after watching this. I was I really so to close it. to watching either that or La La Land again. And I haven't um, ever seen Guy and Madeline on the park bench. Me neither. It's never. I've just have have trouble. I've had trouble prioritizing it, but gotta do it at some point. It sounds like mm-hmm. a spring movie. Yeah, I think so. Spring. A guy and a gal. His name is Madeline on a park bench. It sounds nice. I'm sure it won't get sad. Mm. It's only a Damien yeah. Chazelle movie. Those are never mm-hmm. sad. Spring <laughs> when all of our second tier priorities are watched. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're. I mean, their top priorities. It's just they're not relevant to people yeah. right now. So yeah, exactly. We want you to listen. Forever. Remember the time we were here and we saw all those butterflies? Oh, yeah, that was really cool. Where do you think they were all going? Probably the Grand Canyon. That's where I would go if I could fly. Mm. Next up, we're talking about Forever, the Amazon original series starring Maya Rudolph, Fred Armisen, a indie-styled dramedy of sorts. I liked it quite a bit. Directed and written mm. by Alan Yang of Master of None. 
Boom. Fame. I loved. You liked as well. I love. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't say I like and you love. Mm. I love too. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I know everyone else does. You're a little so so on it. That's fine. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! What is this France saying so so? Are you German? Uh, yeah. You already mentioned earlier. You felt like you felt his sensibility immediately. Immediately came yeah, came pain. hot out the gates with that master of none visual style. Yeah, uh, I think he's got a really unique depth of frame. That's mm. kind of. You know, it's not sterile because it has a sense of emotion, but it's it's just distinctly him. Mm. It's almost like he shoots corner depths. Mm. Like he's always kind of focused on a corner, I think. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think about all those Master of None restaurant and bar scenes where Z's is going out with his friends, you know? Oh, it I does just want to rub like my tummy like a Z's. <laughs> <laughs> Go look at that. It's Are you hungry now? <laughs> I am. We just had these delicious steak grinders and I'm ready for more. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but I can absolutely see that in both, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm. Um, we're gonna talk about spoilers here, I assume, as uh, always. Yeah, we How never we not? not talk about them, so yeah. let's talk about them. So I was fully expecting for nobody to die <laughs> in this show. Yeah, I can't believe that they made it so long without killing Maya. You know. Right? I feel like you kill her in the first two minutes, normally. Yeah, of course. It's Paul Thomas Anderson's wife. You gotta kill her. Yeah. Yeah, but we make it a whole episode in until Fred Armisen is dead. The old a tree. skiing accident. Classic. Classic. Yep. Which I thought this episode was hilarious. I was laughing out loud on numerous occasions. I was laughing out loud pretty constantly. And then once they went on the ski trip, I like... Mm. It got really melodrama. Heavy. Ah. Like, it notably changed tone. Mm. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and she's, like, in the ski lodge, and it begins to be, like, maybe she's going to cheat on him Yeah, at the yeah. bar. And he's just, like, dead. And I, I almost <laughs> was like, did I miss something? Like, did they release these out of order? <laughs> or, like, did I, did I hallucinate away five minutes? Like, what happened? Yeah. It's startling, to say the least, but, um, blackly comic. Yeah, it's a black comedy, for yeah. sure. Um. It's, it's very much of the Irish tone of black comedy. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those shows I think it's hard to talk about with just wanting to, like, list some of the things that, you know, you think are so funny, even though I don't, I've never, it, I think comedy criticism, comedy criticism is something that, like, I've never figured out, like, how to, to really get into. I just want to talk about what I found so funny. That's um, so funny. Oh, uh, first thing that comes to mind is um, Maya Rudolph in the episode two um, getting pulled in after they've realized that yes. people are embezzling money from her company. And she says, you know, Can I don't I think, think I'm about qualified. It? Yeah. <laughs> You're the only one who hasn't fucking it's stolen it. <laughs> Hilarious. And that lady, like, I don't she know her perfect. name, but she's so good. She's always she good. Just plays it so straight. <laughs> it was just great. Um, the I thought, end yeah. with the pecans. Just another yeah. classic death. Yeah. Killing Joking Maya. on a nut. Yep. Choking, choking on pecans on her way to an all-expenses-paid trip first class <laughs> to Hawaii. Yep. Um, I thought her friend was really funny. Um, they go out to, to brunch and 
we're talking about taking up skiing. She's like, you're in your 40s. You're supposed to be quitting shit, not starting new shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, her friend is awesome. (laughs) I thought she was great. I think her friend Um, is like a straight-up stand-up. I felt that. And I need Mm. to... I, I don't know if she has specials, but I need to look into that. I was very amused. Um, we might need to do a comedy specials thing in the winter. Yeah, as well. I know. You're you're ahead of uh, you're ahead of me in the comedy game. Uh, yeah, shorts and comedy. You yeah. don't even try. I don't indulge. Yeah. Um, you can keep mm. watching your fancy composer presentations. Oh, that was nice. That was real nice. <laughs> I looked at that. I was like, I want that. How do I get that? Oh, it's nice. <laughs> it was, you know what? It was, uh, after watching First Man, I didn't want, like, another narrative. I just wanted something. And I'm like, this looks nice. <laughs> I, I, I It looked like you were saving it. I was like, that's a good one. That looks like a good one. Um... Yeah, two episodes in, both main characters dead. I don't know where this show is going to go. Is this Well, it says um, that they're in heaven at the end of episode two. It says, like, like he says we're in heaven? Fred yeah. Erickson does? Or, no, oh. he says you're dead. Yeah, yeah. I guess. And I interpreted it as heaven. And it then, looks pleasant. And then I immediately started thinking, oh, this is the good place there in hell. Mm, yeah. The good place kind of ruined things. I love that show, for though. This, for this... <laughs> Like narrative strategy. Yeah, people. Yeah, forever writers are like, God damn it, <laughs> blew it. Um, yeah, a little hard to tell if 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 this is going to be a two hander. Surely there will be other people wherever they are. Don't you think? Oh yeah, that town is going to have people. It's like, going to be a populated. You know, place. one of those houses is where Bill Hader lives. These are this? facts. No, but uh, I'm dreaming. This is your heaven. Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah. Um. Barry, yeah. can he be Barry from the show Barry in the yeah, show? It's a crossover. Yeah, yeah, especially with only it being a twenty-five minute show, I think it'll be easy to stick with. Was it only twenty-five minutes? Twenty to thirty, sure. Okay, I thought it, mm-hmm. I thought it was more of the thirty line. For some Wait, reason, it's there, not. There's it's clear... not one of the forty to sixty shows. It's you know, it's a half hour ish. For show. for me, yeah. like twenty-two to twenty-five is totally different than a straight up thirty. Be, because well, twenty two to twenty five almost always means the narrative breaks for mm. uh, commercial television, and a straight yeah. up thirty it means it's a full narrative that doesn't have to break. So the strategy yeah. of mm. writing is entirely different, and the editing ends up yeah. being entirely different, especially in a comedy. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, definitely short enough that um, I think it I think it packs a lot into its time. It's quite efficient. I found it's really good looking. It has yeah. this tone of portlandia oh yeah uh especially at the beginning with just fred's consistent awkwardness oh yeah and like i wasn't even laughing i was just Mm. amused but also beleaguered i'm like i always get beleaguered at fred's performances yeah they're Mm. amusing but they're draining yeah him serving the same dish every time at the cabin yeah. his little hand gesture voila <laughs> great stuff um yeah i don't know that has she done any kind of recurring um television i mean I, well I, she's uh, the judge in the good place yeah I remember um, that. she had um maya and marty on nbc for a brief run oh i didn't see that okay, um, so which, which was martin short um, mm. and her having a variety show which was really really good and unfortunately canceled because it's really hard to have a variety show in the current frame mm. 
you know, if they would have put it on Netflix, it would have done fine, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and then she's obviously has her role in SNL. That, um, yeah. Very noted. Um, oh, yeah. And then just guest roles, guest writing, that type of stuff. I, yeah. I don't know of a major recurring role for her. Yeah. 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 It'll be fun to see um, just how she kind of evolves as a character. Um, uh, but I don't know where it's going to go. I'm intrigued. You going to stick with it? I, I don't know. Oh, what? Is it, it's it's tough. It's like, if I don't watch it, am I really missing out on anything? When you guys release season two next year, and I can watch all mm-hmm. two seasons in one weekend? It's true. So, I, I think it's worth watching. I just, I don't know if I'm going to, like, expedite it to the front of the list. Mm. When I got Romanoffs that I got to do every yeah. Friday already. And then I got to look at Netflix, see what they have. I think that uh, Better Call Saul just finished its run, so I got to get on that. Mm. We got to do the deuce for next week. It's getting uh, busy. It's a then, lot to watch. And then we got More True Detective. The is what you need. Starting in January. Yeah. Like, this is getting busy, baby. It's getting busy. Getting busy. I got to get Shorty mm. I got to catch up with still. I haven't even watched the newest season. I have not seen any of that as well. Well, you so. don't like Chris O'Dowd. He's your least favorite Chris, you Chris hater. Did I put him at the bottom? I don't know. I'm saying you did. Chris Hater. Didn't we leave off Chris Messina from our Christmas We did list? leave off Chris Messina. I think yeah. you put Chris Pratt at the bottom. I don't consider our ranking official until he is included. Chris Messina. Number one unranked Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is decided. The one we're practically best friends with. <laughs> practically? We almost met him. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I have a lot more to say about Forever. You know, we've uh, talked about it a lot, but I'd give it a, yeah, I'd give it two thumbs up. It's I think like, it's what, what do you talk about with it? Um, yeah, it it's just a beautifully presented, well written comedic sitcom. It's not really a comedy or a sitcom, but that's where it falls in. You know, it could yeah. turn into a drama. We don't really know. Yeah, uh, we're in a new location. They just died. At the end of this, they could be resuscitated, and we could be in a different reality. It's hard to keep up with the show. It's interesting narratively. It's visually appealing. I'd give it a three, three and a half. Yeah. Just because it, I don't know what it's committed to tonally. Mm. And I don't yeah. know how to rate something until I get its tone. Yeah. That's fair. Maybe go a little higher um, just because of how hard I was laughing. So I'd probably give it a four. Yeah. Um, but I would agree. It's a little early to to go higher than that you you are a a fred lover yes i love fred but you are a fred lover like portlandia drains me (laughs) you get energized by portlandia very much so i you just very easily could have substituted carrie brownstein here and i'm glad that maya rudolph is here but like the sensibility is just it's so oh i vastly (laughs) prefer maya yeah, oh, you don't like Carrie Brownstein? No, I do, but I think Maya is like an otherworldly comedic talent, ah, and she yeah. does not have enough roles. Like the fact that we yeah. can't name a recurring. I know her. that's kind of why I was thinking. Like I'm just eager to like, see what she does. A hilarious lady. Yeah, it'll be fun. Oh, um, duh, fucking big mouth. I don't know what that is. Kroll is that show, a... Nick Kroll's cartoon the animated on one? Netflix. Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, she's, she's a main vo- character. Voice on that. work. Yeah. Ah, nice. Boom. Ah, Remember. That's cool. I could facts. see that. Her voice is so distinctive. I could see that. Yes, it is. 
that'd be fun and vastly humorous <laughs> so next week on tap michael we are going to be watching the original halloween as well as the new halloween as long or as well as a film that is currently in festival runs called streamer that is an original independent title as well as the classic night of the living dead our TV for the week will be the first two episodes of Season 2 of The Deuce. And our bonus streaming title is Apostle. Which we both might review, but I will definitely be able to talk about. There you go. little Halloween special. little Halloween. Alright, Michael. Well, I think that, that does it for this week. Next week, we will be talking about some scares and some frights. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Cheers. Cheers. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. And see. And good.